0: you're listening to these are the days hello friends and welcome back to these are the days it's been a while thanks for your patience over the last 18 months but we're back with a new episode every two weeks on a wednesday give us a follow on social media we're at the days podcast you can check the website thedayspodcast.com and please share the episode so people can that your favorite podcaster rory costello is back with mere good guests for your listening pleasure My guest this week is DJ and promoter, local legend and all-round good guy Billy Morris as we look back at his DJing career, serving in the TA, stepping in for a headliner, his hugely successful live lockdown podcast and much more on episode 18 of These Are The Days. These are the days. (laughs) So my guest this week, the first guest back on our second series, Billy Morris. How are you, Bill? I'm good, Ronnie. How's yourself, pal? Yeah, we're very good. Listen, uh, it's good to do this face-to-face. I just literally said this to you because I've been doing a lot over Zoom. (laughs) But to get sat on a couch and just doing this (laughs) is pretty cool. Before we get into the mix of being the DJ superstar that you are these days, and uh, what was it like growing up in Dundee for you? I always like asking the question, I take people back a wee bit. I
1: had a bit of a checkered past the start. I was a bit of a young ruffian when I was hanging about Boots Corner with my squad when I was uh, 16 till I was about 19, or probably a lot longer than that. So. Uh, the the least we say about those days, the better. <laughs> Hanging about abusing people at Boots Corner.
0: Yeah. Um.
1: Did you? What did you want to be at school? Like that's always a question that I don't know. No, I, I don't know, mate. It's like I've got my son upstairs who's, about to be sixteen, and, and and careers teachers speaking him, saying, "What do you want to be?" And I think, "Come on, you need to know." And I look back, I never had a clue what I wanted to be. I never thought about it. I was really, really immature for my age. I didn't think I grew up until I was late 20s that's still what I do now for my day job I just fell in and it. it's just these things kind of happened I was quite bright at school but just see now like you, you, you hear careers teachers and you try and guide people in med can you never come home at your mum and dad and they said come on sir what do you want to be it was just there's your tea you run out and played football I, I suppose I wanted to be a footballer eh? I played for Dundee when I was 14 or 14, 15 uh, but it was very short lived because I was a uh, one footed, okay. terribly one footed. So uh, I got found out pretty quick. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so I wanted to be a footballer when I was younger. Yeah, for for
0: MD that's come across for the Door Folks podcast, the United one that I do, Apologies. You, are, you are a Dundee <laughs> fan, but listen, that's all right. Yeah. But um, are you, now. have you been. Grown up has it been indoctrinated
1: for you for your family is that how you fell into it yeah totally my, my dad was a Dundee season ticket holder I was lifted over the turnstiles from a, a very early age and yet some of my family my cousins Paul Morris and all that squad they're our United supporters the Rikis so the yeah uh, uh, the, the, the sausage suppers they're <laughs> they're United so but I had like a couple of uncles and I used to remember when I was grown up I'd be maybe 9, 10 I'd go and see my Uncle Tom. And he'd like a, he'd put United biscuits out on a plate, and obviously you're nine ten. You just want a bit of chocolate, and my dad would just give a dirty look, and I'd put the hand out and say, "Okay, I'll take them." But they were funny because they were United, but they were blue and white. Thing is, yeah. and I said, "Dad, it's blue and white," and he said, "You touch that, and we're over." Mm-hmm. And my Uncle would put them closer and closer. So, eh, pretty much growing up a Dundee fan wasn't it? Wasn't a great. And other another days of Jim McLean and that, you know, it's like, that's, that's how we, we hate you because it was rubbish. Yeah. And you wanted to, you wanted to see a team feed Dundee doing well, can beating Barcelona and Europe, but at the same time, it fucking really grips your shit. <laughs> uh, it really, really gets under your skin. and Yeah. But again, we were talking earlier about Rangers and Celtic, as much as I hate United, I hate the feeling United... But I could still go on the piss with United supporters. On a derby, I meet a couple of mates. I've went to hospital with United supporters. So it's that. It's kind of kiddie on hatred, is well, it? It's yeah. like you hate everything a bit, but you, you don't know. Yeah, well... It's we, acceptable. We've brought
0: up... I've brought up a few times on the other podcast. We always say that it's a real unique derby ah. because their friends, their family, their work colleagues, Oh, you're wanting out is the bragging rights. And for your boys at work, no to speak to you because ah, you can, yeah. you've done the job on the Saturday. And that's what's really unique about it. It's no it's no fake hate because you don't want to lose the game but for 90 minutes
1: you hate each other let's get rid of that way. Shouting across the segi you're absolutely you're fuming even if you're sober can you hate it and you hate everything about them Mm. then I could go home and see it. The one thing that really annoys me now is social media Twitter and that see so what used to happen like you wake up with the butterflies on Derby Day and let's be honest it's the only game you really get excited about you didn't get excited about the old firm, you didn't get excited about it. the farmers think we get excited about them and maybe's excited about them. Ken, hat's it's off to them for what they've done. But you're excited about it and then you go and you just don't want to beat. Then you go to your work on Monday, actually so work in a factory and you'd get abuse for the boys. You'd probably had a bet with a couple of boys who were that and you say this is great. But the thing is now with social media it's constant, and I just like kind of be arsed with you. Ah, week. I like a wee bit of, I've texted my mates saying asked ah, one the last and blah blah batting forward. But now it's like somebody on Twitter's given you abuse for days and days. Now, mm. how the old firm guys could just keep that vitriol and hatred going for kind sort of a sort it's, it's no, the minority that are ah, like that, yeah. and just that bitterness. Like yeah. I say, I'm bitter on a Saturday, and it was propped, hating United, but you didn't, we could sit across and hear a pint and speak about yeah. it and a laugh as well. Eh? And that's it,
0: uh, apart from the screen you've got between one right now because you don't like with that much. But um, one thing, we, we were lucky, we had Lee Wilkie on the other podcast and then obviously been on both sides of the divide, but mm-hmm. I mind mean seeing the real Hurt in his eye, and when he was telling us about the administrations, I'm not gloating here, but as a Dundee fan, how hard was that to go through?
1: Oh, just horrendous. You've obviously got that seen people losing their jobs, which is horrible. But you're kind of brought brought up on it, and it's, it's your whole life and. During lockdown, being away from it and no being at Dens, you have been the same. It was just like, well, what, "What am I doing on a Saturday?" It's not even like you could go down the town and go shop me the missus, which would have been torture as well. But it's like, mm-hmm. "What a day!" Can Dundee's my life? It was my son. My son's a ball boy at Dens. It's just it's mm-hmm. everything. So it was just uh, to th- the thought of losing that and just losing something that you'd grown up with. School was just horrendous, and you tried to give money. It's not like it's not like Rangers. We wouldn't let our club die. We tried our best to keep it going, but. Once once is flipping pretty abysmal. But to date twice is, is just really poor flipping. Okay. What, was it worth it for seeing the players
0: that you had in the park? Or do you look back now and think, well, should have been a wee bit careful? I,
1: I, I would like him of discussed this. We've sat in a club bar where we usually drink before the We, Me and my cousin Ross Dugan and Andy and all that. And I thought, was it worth it? And part of you thinks, Ken, I've got a sign, can you, you no upstairs? And it was great. And we nearly, we'd done a wee bit of... We'd, a Europe excursion mm-hmm. kind, and it was unfortunately I missed it because I was in Iraq at the time so was it worth that no in holiday, day hope no 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 so six month <laughs> six month uh, mind dodging tour so uh, I was and I think I still can give you an honest answer it was great we played some great football we had a couple of top six finishes but the gamble was eh, to, to sell these players on for good money and it was kind of working and the Bosman come along and then the Ars fell out the market and we made a horrendous cunt to it. And it's crap, but it's it's probably not because we've been in the wilderness for that long as a result mm. and you'd hope financially stable now. And I, I probably... Now that it's easy to say it was worth it now because we've survived, And but we've got that flipping Denz's a, a bit of a hole and then they're talking about this going going to this new stadium. I can't personally kinda of see it. I'd love it, but then it would also... I kind of like in the two stadiums on the one street. It's kind of That's like amazing. A mates up for England. You know, like boys, DJs come up for the weekend and they say, "Oh, can okay, we'll go club and we'll do this." And the next day I'll pick them up there and I'll say, "Yeah, you a football fan." I say, "I say, man, we'll drive." Uh, Andy Mark was up. He's a, a cream resident, and he says, "Go, to the show's around." on Tandai Street two closest professional football teams though I always thought it was in the world but they say it's only Europe now yeah is there some place I think there must be some South eh, America or South, South Africans Americans right across eh. the water but I just say the two <laughs> closest football teams in the world and they come up and they go wow and I've seen it on TV people come to England and see it and a couple of other boys have showed it so I like having that and telling people so the thought of moving away to the new Campe and it's <laughs> I'd hate to be really well kind of, if it had the lock in this uh, crematorium and f- good facilities because there's no boozers up there either. Eh? Where are you going to go? And it's not no, dead easy to get, you're going to get taxis for the boozers. So, I mean, it's no point of fingers at American owners because
0: obviously we've got them as well, but it's a very kind of American, but an English thing as well. Like There's a lot of grounds. I mean, that's why I love like you look at um, Anfield and Goodison, they're still in City centres. but you look at clubs that are way out, it's like, mm-hmm. what's, what's yeah. the fun yeah. in it? Was the day gone? I mean, you can get to the game, fine, but you need your boozers, your pre-match, and all that exactly. kind of stuff.
1: But though, if it came to a guaranteed that we were run like uh, right, like the farmers, look at McDermott, right? They've got that there, they've got the hospitality, mm. they've got tiny crowds, but look what they're doing. They're totally... Uh, Punching above their weight, we what they're doing. They've got the turf. Everything's just sort of money making. See if somebody could say Dundee need to be like that. And if we move up there, we're going to have an exhibition centre. We're going to have the crematoriums. They're going to bring in some X amount a week. Have <laughs> I, I seen that and gone? What? Uh, so, uh, here, listen. If it's So there to... with the dog talk and all these kind of things. Uh, it's no wonder we get laughed at sometimes. But uh, if, if it was built on a sound business model yeah. and it brought in the money and they said, here's X amount we been we'd give so much to players. If there was good hospitality, good facilities, and say, say there was a good bar there, a proper bar, and the money was going to Dundee, you could say, well, oh, mm. come on, we'll get a taxi up there at one o'clock and we'll drink... In, in the stand for tours, that'd be great right. so I'd, I'd hate to be on a good business model I wouldn't hate to be half arse like the dog track or anything else that we yeah. tried so uh, so I what was a question again I <laughs> like Ronnie Corbett yeah. here listen
0: uh, it's just it's, it's <laughs> like always good, good. That's like anything when you're speaking about football teams or whatever like being that close and everything about it it's just it's amazing it really is yeah. uh, right DJing then that's what you're uh, renowned for how did you get into it
1: do you know what? I always had a kind of record collection. I always sort of bought vinyl in the days and I liked it. And I had like, ah, uh, can of be technics, no, no, like a DJ thing, just like a sort of rock system. And I liked that. And then there was a boy at scale. He'd come up fae, uh England and he'd run about fifth year. And he said, I'm going to put a, a party on. Uh, Do you fancy dinner? He's done it in uh, Heavens Above. And he said, "I'm it's before my that. time. I mean, You're going to explain well, what that tell is. Tell Tokyo Joe's. It was in uh, Union Street. No, we're uh, right across the Trades. There was like, a, there's like flats them and that. There was a wee, right, okay. t- C- a of jewels was up there. I've got the ticket actually for that there. And he says, I'm i might put this we do it. It's going to be like a six form disco, but he goes, I play hip hop and I'm going to DJ. So he said, okay, I'll get you. And he goes, I'm going to get my mate off of London there. And then about two weeks before he says, oh, my mate can't I make it. He says, somebody told me you've got a big vinyl collection. And I says, oh, well, I do actually. Couldn't have DJ it, Couldn't Couldn't have couldn't have mix a cake. And, but then again, maybe you could mix a cake. And even like Pete Tong was about 10 years a huge DJ and couldn't mix uh-huh. and beat mixing wasn't really a thing so he said would you, would you play and I said I've got this so the, the time it was it must have been 1989 so you're talking early rave summer of love voodoo these kind of big tracks so I just started playing it I had a big pair of Kenny Everett headphones on and absolutely loved it and everybody that was there was either from the school in my class or a really good pal and the place just kicked off and it was amazing I just thought here that's some buzz but like we talked about off, off uh, audio earlier, DJs weren't a big thing. DJs were these crusty nerds, white-faced pasty nerds who were like crate diggers. It wasn't anything cool being a DJ. Obviously, some of the big guys in London were starting to come up, your Oaken forwards and Danny Ramplins and that, but certainly being a DJ in a club in Dundee, you were in the background, the, the, the lights all shone in the dance floor. It never shone in the booth. So I never thought, this is something you could do. So I started like, well, that was good. I wouldn't mind another wee go. I got paid decent money for it. He gave us a, a bit of the door money, and I thought, there's money in this, I could do this. Suddenly a couple of other wee things started coming. I thought, here we go. And then I thought, I'm going to buy myself the equipment. Right, I'll look into this. Yeah, much much is, uh, much of these Technics 1210s I'm looking at, and they were like a £1,000 a pop. So you're talking, two of them, this is, this is 1989. I thought, I just can't afford that on my... Uh, stinking salary at Tokheim making petrol pumps on seven and a half grand a year. And it was just like <laughs> That's incredible, uh, isn't it? So, <laughs> so two, two turntables and a decent mixer, you're talking two and a half grand. So, that was a big thing in my, in my salary. So, I, I think actually, my, my mate Goog, Goog's. Uh, I bought his old, he was like a hip hop DJ, I bought these old Newmark things for them and they were, they were belt drives and they were horrendous. And I think that's probably set us up the best thing to do because if you could mix on them, you could mix on anything because it was like, there was no getting a mix in and leave it. It was like push, push, push. You had yeah. to, for anybody it's mixed before, you had to keep shoving the vinyl and it was speed up and slow doing it. It was warbling and warbling. So I bought them and then other good mates, Scotty, Scotty Muller, God rest his soul, he's gone now. He, he had a, I think he was, a, I can't remember what he was, but he had decent money and he bought himself a set of Technics 1210s and had sort of kind of learned how to DJ. He goes, I'll show you. And Scotty, God rest his soul, he couldn't have not to eight. He just couldn't have got it. I said to everybody, I give DJ lessons now when I was DJing to, a couple of lessons and, and it was uh, my cousin's young lass and he's saying what do you do I said if you count to 8 it's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, and boom and Scotty was going five, six, seven. Oh, no Scotty you're, you're <laughs> one too early then mate you were on 7 so, so did uh, he say he was going to teach you but no, clearly no, no. Went he, the he other he and says mum oh, teach us and I was right. teaching him and it's just like he was, <laughs> I was always on the 10th on the beat or the 7th uh, God rest his soul but he, he just couldn't get it hmm. and 6 months and 6 months I was teaching him teaching him and he's going no 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 Scott, Scott too early too early, son. Come on, come on, Mark. Come on, come on. And he, he say, ah, I've had enough of this shit. Do you want to buy them? And he sells them cheaper. And that's how I got the set of Technics 1210s because I wouldn't have been able to afford it. And if I got them, I just. Oof, I just which are still industry standard now. They're still sitting in my studio. That's I've still got those things, if he's got uh, the same set of 1210s. And do you know what? They're bomb proof. They've been moved. House about six times I've dropped them things. I mean you drop A set of CDJs now And it's like Dropping a laptop They've got to get repaired They yeah. need to get them Serviced every Once a year Every couple of years But my 1210s I think I've had them Serviced once in Since 1989 So there you go So they're bomb proof I'm sure uh, When uh, What was the place In the tuna across From the jet garage That burnt down Somebody said uh, oh. It was No the Habara What would you call it Coconut, Coconut Grove Burned Grove. Grove. Yeah. down Someone said They went in there's There was a fire the fire brigade had hosed that out down and obviously everyone got ruptured. Somebody went in and grabbed the 1210s and they were working. We wee Great. bit of water damage. They just fixed them. They were just bomb-proof, whereas other uh, modern equipment's just like, it's yeah. laptops in. It's, it's incredible, like, isn't it? It's, it's how it gives <laughs> me the jitters, DJ, now. See, we have set of 1210s. As, as long as you never knocked the needle off the record or got too pushed or... I've done what i done one night. Got banned for a club with Paul for, but we'll tell me we talk about it later. As long as you never knocked the needle off, you were good. Mm-hmm. Whereas, see now, see DJing me laptops and that it gives me the fear because it's like I'm sitting at my work doing a spreadsheet and it goes blue screen crash. You do that in front of 3,000 people, it's just absolutely your ass fence. Oh, so, uh, yeah, so that's how I got started. That's class because yeah, we were saying just b- before it as well, like
0: back of the day and all that. And I remember being like a new Mark DJ in a box kept to get you going, but. I'm sure my mum spent about 400 quid on it and probably grudged every bit of it, but it was just like, this is just what you're going to need today. And mm-hmm. I just remind it of being, being mental, really. You mentioned some tunes there. What else would have been in your record box early days? Oof.
1: Oh, D-Shake, yeah. And then the, the, the B-side, of Techno Trans. That was... That was uh that's still an amazing sound and tune. Now, some of that, that just the of stuff. Whenever I hear those tunes, I could just, I just remember. Never ever made it to end I've been outside it since it, when it was closed, but I never made it tonight there. I've been been at a few clubs all over. I used to go to Cream a lot, places in London and and Sheffield and Leeds, but I never made it to end It's one of my biggest regrets. Mm. And just whenever I hear the records, I could see that. Know the people with the bucket hats on just dancing inside Yeah, I d- d- must have been some buzz yeah. in there. I read right?
0: the book. Um, I- uh, be a good few year ago now about the Hacienda, and mm. the stories are just
1: scary as well. The eh? on un- oh,
0: unbelievable, unbelievable, but w- what a place! I mean, mm-hmm. it sounded
1: incredible. Yeah, um, I mean, it was DJ me Graham Park a couple of weeks ago at Street Rave, and just just loved speaking to him. And, and that's a guy that was there, can breathe that done it. She's speaking to guys like that, it's just totally amazing. Eh? Yeah, yeah, it's it's class. Uh, so you go for there, so.
0: When do you get when do you get your break? When do you get your first residency or your gigs after that? How
1: does it start building? Uh, where did it go for there? I was just, just doing the odd party for people and I was sort of I was playing kind of half house music, half dance, and then I'd always batter like it's a, a track I play now. I would always like batter sweet dreams in it. Like I was a lot playing a lot of sort of electro and eighties synth pop and that kind of stuff. And I would always, and it wasn't like a dance mix, it was just Eurythmics, 12 mm-hmm. inch Eurythmics, and a lot of pet shop boys and that stuff. And I've, I've, I've never I've never been a cool DJ. I've never been, nobody's ever went, oh, he's really cool, or he's playing some amazing tunes. I've it's always been on the cheesy side. Not no, no too cheesy, I'd hope, although some would argue. But I've always been, I've never been a, a musical snob or a DJ snob. I've never looked in my nose that for somebody to play it. If, if it works, I'll play it. So it was just like doing for a party here, the odd maybe once a year a rave, and then I started playing. Uh, I was playing parties and after parties, and I got sort of going and told me the 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 glam boys there, and I was uh, I think I handed them a tape in those days. Eh? So, and uh, I was handing them a tape, and I've done an after party, and I would brought my. Shitty old Newmark decks to the after party, and I sort of playing and he went, "Oh, you can actually beat match." And there's no many DJs in the early days that could properly mm. beat match. Oh, wait to give you a wee shot, and then and like Shine to here brought us on, and before I knew it, it was the the purple rooms, which is where the my may, my, my maison is now underneath yeah. there, and that was some place. So I wrote that down I was going to ask you about the purple rooms. Uh, the purple rooms was just this wee tiny tiny underground club. It was dark as hell, pitch black almost. It had a wall made of chain mail. And then it was just, it was like a room divider in front of the DJ booth and everybody used to just get buckled and climb it and, or fall through it and there. And uh, although I could sort of beat match, I was still learning how to mix our work. I was still learning red levels and how to, how to transition and this kind of thing. So still really learning. And they said, we fancy putting you on as a resident. So I went, I haven't this. Right, first week's uh, Michael uh, Kilke. Then next week it's K-Class. And then it was uh, what's his name? His name just went across my head there. Uh, Tony DeVee was was there, and I'm like, and I've been listening to these boys' tapes. So next minute, I was standing next to him, nervous, ended up blurted, and then that's when I discovered that maybe some people would argue if I was managed to really, really DJ well drunk, and <laughs> and it's like it's maybe not the best thing, but the drunker I get the more I could we'll certainly to get to it. that over lockdown uh, don't uh, worry definitely. <laughs> so uh, so the Purple Rooms was the first gig and then shine tight he yeah I know but yeah that's going quite well Purple Rooms blew up and got really big and there was big queues round the block. what are you talking, like talking say, capacity was I must have been it couldn't have been anywhere than 150 it's
0: incredible 180 eh? maybe so that's I mean that's shown you that you're queuing up early if you want to get
1: in uh, uh, that was that, was that. And, and, and like I say it was just I think we had a membership pass you needed a membership to get in and just in the days, it was just like clubs were just popping up. You had the Rumba Club, who I was going there as a clubber. And I think one thing I've always had in my mind, I've never ever thought of myself, maybe the last five years of that, I always thought of myself as a clubber who played music. I used to go to the Rumba, club away, then go away. And then for the Purple Rooms, I progressed to Glam. Uh, Shy and Ty were doing big nights. They were they were doing Fat Sam's as well. And I was a club in Fat Sam's, I'd been going to Fat Sam's am my days. I went through the the eternal nightmare of being 17, 18, and getting in the queue. And the boy just said, No, mate, regulars only. But how would you become a regular? <laughs> right, okay, now nah, try again next week. No, mate, no And you were getting further up the queue and up that. And then actually, Fat Sam's had a thing called the Rope Club, which was an under 18s. And it was it was Ned and Dave Kalikas, Ned Jordan, Dave Kalikas, fantastic DJs, well known throughout Britain great names they were DJing under 18s and it was none of this right under 18s will play pop and that they were playing voodoo ray bottom the big tunes it was amazing that shot at half 10 then the fat is over 18s done and eventually I was just slowly getting it and eventually one week I think it was 17 18 the boy went yeah in you go and I thought that's when made it Better, better speak to him actually I'm like a regular but I was actually going to Under 18's Rope Club because the atmosphere was that great staying and say, look mate I'm 18 he said so I was doing the bathroom so it was just fan- fantastic days for music and how good really. was the original fatties floor the original fatties yeah it was just brilliant I was playing there last week uh the first big rave since doors opened hannah, hannah lane who's doing really well she did her hannah choice event she sold that out and it was in the top floor of fat sam's right so i was a uh, boy uh jack lowe was warming up and i was what i going go next and i thought i'm just what i doing to my old spiritual home can <laughs> anybody knows me now i was always on the dance floor in It's middle the middle floor would call it now but the original and i went down and there was a there was a big jolly chap playing uh, some charity stuff and I was just going oh baby what have they done to you <laughs> and what have they done to my, my baby here so uh, yeah see the same times.
0: tunes you're on a bit playing like Voodoo Rain, they the tunes that would get you on the dance floor oh I, totally Voodoo,
1: Voodoo is just just it just, just means something just and he it, it was one of my heroes a guy, a guy called Gerald's was one of my heroes and just watching the Hacienda and I used to watch all that stuff on the TV and then Getting to play with him and DJ him in places like the reading rooms. And just, I was like, even now, kind I just like, hey, I myself. That's a guy called Gerald. And I went back to an after party with him and I was standing speaking to him about Manchester scene and that. Just going, what's going on here? This mm. is mental. And just hearing him play voodoo ray and just see everybody just putting their hand on the heart going, wow, this is just like a moment, eh? Yeah. So just. Who would you, would would you, what DJs would
0: you have looked up to then? Or what would there have been, like, I'm not saying heroes, but was I, no, there MD, no maybe you were. Yeah. Looking
1: at what they played, or you were trying to mould yourself towards, or aye, loads of loads of heroes in the, the days. People like John, please, woman, who who now <laughs> I'm really lucky today co promote and run a, a night with them and like call a friend. It's just like I to, me, me, and Mrs. Claire. Uh, we met across the rumba probably against habara and a few other places fat sam's definitely and we sort of i think the first night we sort of met and got yapping was was a john please woman night at the rumba and the tune so he, it's all he, his fault yeah eh. so we've already said that to him, <laughs> <I fell out laughs> him a few times and he played kind of he played a really 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 choosy tune and i reminded him about it and he actually played at my wedding exactly. in a band and then he dj'd at my wedding so i was like this is just mental mm. And I made him play the tune. He goes, I never played that tune. It's horrendous. I says, you played that in my wedding. It was like, did it be the rhythm of the night? No, the DeBarge one, but it was that like a dance match. And it's great, but, but I was very dated. And that's <laughs> somebody's playing my set now for a laugh. And I, I play at the Selkie where, where I play sometimes. And he says, no, he goes, joking aside, I never played that at the rumba. He, he goes, I never got thrown off the decks. So I goes, no, you did. Me and Claire met across that song. So John please women's definitely, even now, is, is like a hero. But I think in the days." Uh, your tall Pauls, Seb are so these guys but too many DJs have been really really people have looked up to because I didn't really play uh, like in the days I was playing trance and when I was at Glam it was a trance club I was pretty trancy but when I was doing after parties or private parties I was doing I was jumping between a bit of Visage, a, a bit of Pet Shop Boys, to a bit of trance, a bit of house, and now that's that 80s synth pop's still my love. It's just like a bit of craft work, and so so I'd always weave that in. So for me, too many DJs were doing that; they were just jumping across genres. It, it just it, it works for some people, again, to stick to that one genre all night, but it kind of bores me a little. So Paul Oakenfold was a big hero as well uh, during the trance times, but uh alistair whitehead as well just proper house music and the thing about alistair whitehead just such a nice guy just such a really really genuine great guy so i really liked him for that so i had a lot of heroes probably john p's woman was one of the biggest them and then uh as a result of him I ended up with the nickname oh i probably was gonna ask i was wanting to get to that <laughs> so, which is an absolute cringe but uh, do you want to tell uh, the story Aye, it was it was a glam. So for anybody, there's you no know, glam at the, the waterfront in And uh, We spoke with that earlier on. was was a huge club. Huge, huge club. We had all these levels. It was just like when you were DJing, you could see, it was, I don't know what I say, Hacienda like, but kind of the levels, you could see people on, a, no podiums, the stairs went up, then there was a walking back, and it was less like, a, like one of those fucking, Brazilian farms just going up and up and up up and you could see everybody there and the lights were good. So John Please Women was uh, was on after us and I was warming up and as as anybody knows those days, there was loads of times where King Glam had some of the best lineups in Britain. It was just amazing. It was like tall Paul, Seb Fontaine Judge Jewels, uh, John Please Woman, all on the same night. And Mag would say, This is the biggest night in Britain this week. And there's nobody got, and maybe somebody's got by Slim and maybe somebody's got Tony DeVee, but nobody had six of the biggest names in our broth, you know, a wee fishing village on the east coast of Scotland. So, and I was warming up for them. So it was just mental. And there'd be like two and a half thousand people there. It was just amazing. But I was just a young, early 20s. Belter for Dundee. So I was getting and then I would obviously be nervous about Ding's boy. So I'd end up getting bloated and then next minute Shy and I'd hate to throw his out my NVIP for just being an absolute mess or a wreck. <laughs> so I was warming up and, and a few times, because there was so many DJs, like six DJs on, and they'd be coming in for Ibiza, that one of them would always miss a flight, one of them would be ill, one would have a flu, one of them would do and it wouldn't be the first time Shy or t- I would say, uh, you're Seb Fontaine tonight, just kidding, on just pretend you're Seb Fontaine, right? And <laughs> people were that buckled, they'd go, All right, Seb now, oh, all right, lad, yeah, just stick like a, a London accent or just pretend to be these people. So, this one time I was on and uh, I was warming up, and the crowd were coming up and high fiving. Yeah, so, uh, who's on next? I uh, John Please Woman, and next night they were all shouting for a John Please Woman. Oh, come on, we want John Please Woman on, and the crowd were going, John Please Woman. And I just grabbed the mic, put the music down, and went, Fuck John Please Woman, and Billy pleased himself. And I thought I'd get laughed off, but the crowd went nuts and started cheering that I went, Billy please, Billy please, I went nuts. And then the next glam was in one later and Shy and had put on the on the flyer. <laughs> bully pleased himself. And I thought this is funny, this is a giggle. And then it become there and then I've got a, a a double-page spread for mix mag. I was playing at the tunnel. Billy pleased himself, Morris. And I started going, that's actually a cringethon. It was funny, but I just started to get more serious about Stopped the stuff. for a long time, mate. did, mate. But yeah, people still, I think my Twitter handle's still Billy Pleased, because you can't change that. And Instagram was Billy Pleased for a while. And I think if I'm on Call of Duty or that, I'm Billy Pleased. And people <laughs> shout in, Billy Pleased, how's it going? But I had to get away from it. But they, they 12 buggers kept it going for a while. So, uh, and then when I started DJing with John, pleased, when I did a day night called Dare with him, mm. I couldn't have called myself Billy pleased and John pleased. So I had to ditch that. What does he think of it? I, I, I explained it to him. He was—he uh, thought it was hilarious. Yeah. Like he, he can't remember because they were the—they were good days. Uh, they were the good days. Good I used days. to get myself in some states mainly because it was—I was a young young party going. But also there's a bit of nerves. And you've got your heroes DJing with. You. I'd only been DJing for a, a couple of years there was two and a half thousand people there. So maybe a couple of shandies just to lubricate myself. But I used to, I used to go right over the score sometimes. Mm. Like one, one time I was, spoke with Paul Oakenfold was playing. So he was talking about 1999. It was massive. There might be been actually about three, three and a half thousand people there. So I'm warming up. Oakie's coming on and I got drunker and drunker and drunker. And next minute, Tati's going, what's going on here? And Paul Oakenfold come on. It's 12-10. It's so he's got the final on. And I'm going, all right, Paul, how's it going and nudging him, grabbing him? And you could see, obviously, Drunk me didn't realise that I was being a pest and saying that oh, gonna leave him alone. You're pestering him. Hey, am I right? And he, said, oh, he went, "Oh, big man, just stand back a bit. Stand back a bit." And I went, i oh, no, here. I'm, this is mad, DJ Booth. He's telling me to stand back." So I put my bottle of bud on the on the turntable and had it spinning round on the thingy, which obviously come round and knocked his needle off. Luckily, it wasn't the one that was playing. It was the one he was queuing up. And he went, oh, you he can't do that, Ty. Here, you'll get, you'll And I get one." kind of threw him. this is mad, DJ Booth. Steaming Absolutely steaming So you had to get A bouncer to throw us out And I got a one month Ban for my in club I couldn't <laughs> DJ At the next glam And the next day He's going You were go, a pain in the arse and I thought, like I'm really sorry I thought no saying I had a drinking problem it was just a just a drunken nerves thing yeah. but I had to like curb my, my drinking with the DJing for a wee bit after that. Um, I was like I said to you before I think that was the first ever gig like that I'd went to and for when I seen the
0: first time I'd seen you DJ when I wouldn't knew it the self and I didn't know you were such an arse that night to and <laughs> Oakenfold um but I've, I've actually got a I've got a signed ticket for Oakenfold for oh, that yeah. night and that's when I was thinking about it and Got mine getting on the bus and whatever else, but it was just a, an amazing thing. And when you mentioned Seb Fontaine, he was the first DJ i seen in Magaluf. And I saw him and I thought, I'm going to do this. That's mm-hmm. why I'm a day. And then you get into the vinyl and it was crazy. But before we move on, there was a couple of clubs I've wrote down just to see if you played them or what you thought. Because some of the clubs we had, we've had, we've spoken about in them, but Circus in Dundee for me wow. must be the best club
1: i ever seen and ever sat foot in incredible wasn't it yeah some some looking club they must have spent a lot of money on it because it was just just beautifully turned out it was really really nice and then do you remember i had a wee, like we room two at the back yeah. i remember one time me and me and paul urquhart were uh were djing in there we we'd we an, uh, an old school night called era and and, and glam was big and circus was out there and tatty asked us to play in the back room for a while i'd kind become a bit disillusioned and that. So I started doing the old school, a wee there, and we done it in the back, and it was uh, maybe a bit of oh, a quieter night. It was like an, an older crowd there. So the main room was, I think it was maybe a, t- probably too early for EDM, a bit, a bit sort of hand, hard trance was coming out. It was a bit too hard, and the sort of main room, uh, Doing a bit, and i come into the room too while we were playing flipping Korea, Let Me Love You For Tonight, flipping Voodoo Ray and all this kind of music. So me and Paul are banging out the old school tunes. So the crowd sort of gravitated towards it. So next minute, Tati said, again, I'm going to, to switch the music off in this room. He says, because there's about... 150, 200 people in here and there's only maybe the same next door but next door looks empty if we get your crowd in there I says yeah but you've booked us to play here he says ah oh, no, no kind of typical You know, I don't know what he can we'll just shut this room and I says well let us play a couple more tunes Mean Paul fucking alcohol again where it ended up half cut and I says I'm not switching off. are you switching off?" Paul went no fuck them so we barricaded we're selling the DJ booth and we didn't let anybody in so there's a bouncer kicking the weed. Bar thing trying to say, mate. You say Tati says you say it, turn the music off. We're turning the fucking music off. We're booked. Me flipping in Polly Pollard on it, so we're not letting him be in. Eventually they had to go in the circuit breaker and turn the power off of the hell <laughs> booth in there. And then Abdi went through, but I was kind of. We didn't really fight. I mean, we thought it was quite funny as well. And it was a yeah. good laugh, like, But it was in of these stories. But you're right. Circus was a beautiful looking.
0: I remember club. like getting the, the. You used to get the pint that was frozen. I mean, I think it was about a tenner back then. But oh, yeah. I went on the turn. Uh, the the frozen glass come up. I had ice in the top of it, and it was probably about eight quid. And you just thought, "This is amazing!" And what an opening week week lineup. Uh, the first name you said to me when I asked you about it. Belinda, Belinda Carlisle, Carlyle. circle
1: in the sand. Go on yourself, Belinda. Oh. I remember looking at her, going, "That's Belinda Carlisle." What's she doing in Dundee? What's she going to do at to top this? it Well, so were you two? Who else was on?
0: Um, Mojo, can't... Jeremy Healy, I think played. I Healy. And the, the the random thing was it, and um, I'll try and find this and I'll try and post about it as well. But I'm sure they had an act on. And then a DJ and Jimmy Somerville played. Jimmy Somerville, I remember that. Aye. And I'm pretty sure they had, but it didn't. They didn't marry up. Like, eh, but a bit somebody was on, and then there was like a dance DJ after them. I was like, this is weird, but that was incredible. I vaguely remember place. something like that. What you, you could tell there was a lot of money spent on it. <sighs> Fortune, uh, way, way ahead of its time. Uh, I mean, one well, needed a five room venue at that point. You know what I mean? When Fatty had one floor and the Mardi and whatever else, but Judge
1: Jules seemed to be there every other week as uh, well. I think he was a resident there almost, uh, a, like a bi monthly.
0: Incredible, um, good times. Do
1: you ever play at the venue in Lockheed? No, no. You ever in it? Because I was, I was in it. But
0: Scott Souter tells me it was the best club he'd ever seen before Circus come
1: along. There was TVs and Waz It was just mental. I was uh I've, I've sort of got see because of my, what i'd went about i went about the tune We a load of boys and the venue was in lockheed mm. and when i was younger there was a bit of friction between lockheed boys and tune boys it's it's all, it's all good now in the most part but in their days there was a lot of friction and tension and like i lived in mean as hell at the time. So I used to get jumped at whenever I was in Lockheed. Me, Maxie, Barry McCullough used to always get on the bus and we'd end up hitting of a t- a empty bottles to flip and fight we way back up there when we got off at the Jimmy Shand. And then vice versa if we'd seen any Lockheed boys there. So the venue was just in that. It was right in mm-hmm. Lockheed. Yep. So we went up, but I, I went, must have went, probably count on on two hands, how many times I went, and maybe five or six times to the venue. The one I did go was the closing down one where every all drinks were five pence or ten pence or something. What? Uh, I'm sure they just, <laughs> every, was it was it five, somebody, maybe somebody will text in and remind you. it was like five or ten pence a drink, and it was like, because it was closing down, all stop must wow. go, so everything, you wanted a pint, five pence, you wanted a nap, five pence, so that was just like chaos, but, Always after, can you had Jeff Capes on the door, so you'd come out and it'd be okay for ten feet. Air. But as soon as you started walking towards a taxi, you'd end up getting jumped or loads yeah. of bothered. And the beachy would be standing outside as well, and they they just hated Abdi. It's an interesting luxury. place to put a club, isn't it? Yeah, totally. Yeah, totally. So, I've always wanted to go in. I was, I'm always wondering if the the fixtures and fittings are there because it was like they had the Alice in Wonderland, the big seats, like yeah. big eight foot chairs, and everything was small things. So, I was always wanted to see if it was honestly. Uh, Scott tells like me that. it was it was unbelievable, and mm.
0: I would never went and even went to under 18s or or anything like that, but. Come on, so they had good was, DJs. As well. they
1: had uh Conor Dean that was in there. Kind of mm-hmm. that, they had some good rave nights in there that, that went to a couple of couple of big de- proper raves yeah. in there that was really good. So it was a good looking club, but just it uh, just suffered for what it was. Oh, eh? It was mad. like uh, just too much bother outside for me. Uh, the Habara Habara, I played there a few times. I we used to go there. What was the what was the night that was at the Habara again? Me and Claire's kind of met there. God uh, John Thompson and that run it. Kentucky Club. Oh. Kentucky Club was uh, was a, a proper seminal club that we used to go there. They had some great DJs as well. Paul Wayne and all that. So uh have DJs in there. Me and Pollock could run uh, era mm-hmm. in there. There was one night we'd put it on and we sold it out. Couldn't believe it. It was like £7 a ticket. And it was the night uh, a bucket of snow. Fae, it was meant to open about 10. And at tea time on, on Hugman it started snowing. And we'd sold it someone like, Two hundred and fifty tickets, and I think twelve people turned up. So we just sat in there like, couldn't win money. Kind of like playing records to each other, bored with tits. <laughs> We'd made loads of money, but I'd rather lost money and had people yeah. in here. Like so, Habara uh, was a, a really good wee place. Yeah. Any other clubs we back then, we've maybe missed that are worthy of a mention? <sighs> the, big, the biggest miss is the reading rooms. See, the reading rooms—just what a club that was. Just for, just for the everything kind. Of, it was dark. It was dingy. It was underground. Uh, I had a really kind of you'd hear Slam one week and then the next week you'd up Fuppin' Lee Scratch Perry, then you would hear the Scar Night, then you would hear uh Techno night. Then you'd gigs. Uh, <laughs> just every and then you'd hear comedian on and just you had the you had the bit outside that was really cool, the the courtyard and all that. I had some great nights in there. And then I used to start uh, I started putting my, my night on Dare with John Please Woman, which is was not like none else there, it was quite a camp. Uh, colourful sort of housey vocal night and it just they had everything in there just that the fact that that club's can people talk about the Arches which is a huge sad loss and, and I used to love playing at the Arches and I miss that club but for me closer to home the reading rooms is just a big miss for that because the amount of DJs that started their careers there or, or, or names that were made in there like book club and uh, these kind of things it's a huge loss to Dundee that, oh, it was, that
0: place it was incredible I, I mean uh, back in the very early days playing in like the trying the rock stop that was between, again, but between it was Fat between Sams. the Mardi and Fat Sams. Yes, yes. That's an interesting place as right. well. You ever and played the Mardi or are you too young? You too yeah, young? no, I did, but only... Um, so the, I, can't, I was trying to work out the dates for the Mardi. So I had done a Thursday in there for about 12 weeks. And then... But th- this was when it was starting to go. I actually took it over for Val Duke. Right. Val. So I took it, it But it was like a Tuesday night or a Thursday night. And I mind just thinking... But bit like you, Kimmy, go something as a punter. I actually didn't enjoy working there because right. I, I enjoyed going there at the time and whatever. And again, what a place. Ah. Like, it might not be your
1: dance music place, oh, but for the general punter,
0: what a place. Uh, it was amazing.
1: To, the sticky carpets of the Marble. Oh. It was just, it was a place to go. It's a place that, well, they never really done dance nights, so it's not a place I would have really frequented, like, but, uh, but it's pound a drink, you'll be there. Yeah, uh, but yeah, but Fat Sam's another And See, see eventually being, being like, uh, my first, my first proper clubbing in and there to, to let's say, Ned Jordan and under 18's club, and then progressing to getting in and, and uh Dave Kalika is another, and getting there, to actually eventually DJing in there. For, the Glam moved to moved to Fatties and, and playing in there for uh, Glam. We, we like, uh, I remember uh, 19, God, early 90s, Jeremy Healy. was playing with Jeremy Healy in there and Brandon Block. Uh, so Fat Sam's was another really good in, just, just to really play in there. And even now, whenever I, like when the Rumba went back there, now we play for the Rumba, they did that uh, their Festival of House in there, which I think they had a bit of, about, 60 DJs on or something, they had everybody, Sasha, Hot Chip, John woman Women, oh, anybody, Mara Picotto, Jeremy Olander, just the, the two events they'd done in there, it was just bonkers how they had, they had every DJ, every big DJ in every genre, they had the, in the Fatties Live, they'd like say Sasha and Hot Chip and all this, and then all sort of old school Seb. Judge Shules and all that. And then downstairs, they had a hard room, Picotto. And it was just incredible. So playing at the kind of events was just amazing. Mm. So you, playing me- you mentioned the, the
0: rumba there. Yep. Um, wh- when did you start DJing for them? But also, can you explain the significance of the rumba in general, sort of, as a
1: club night in Scotland? Ah, just... The rumba is a way to hold its 30th birthday party and just 30th, 30th birthday, Ronnie. For for any, for any business to run for 30 years is amazing, right? But for a club and brand to run for 30 years is just phenomenal and and to keep going. And it's like, if you look at their 30th birthday lineup, I know just some of the guys that are DJing, are like Dave Seaman, you could argue are like rumba residents. John Please Women's been there so many times, and just to get these people coming back and still got the buzz. Uh, and for me, to to play at that event, that that's probably where I think if I'm playing at Fatty's or I'm playing at my own night or street rave or Hannah's choice, I'm a DJ. But see, when I go at the Rumba, I kind of feel I'm just like a clubber who plays records because I was there in the early days. It was um, what was the name of the place where it started in uh, Rock Sands, Rock Sands in Perth. That was the first time I properly went clubbing. If you know what I mean by properly mm-hmm. went clubbing, seen seeing what I was doing. That was the first time I went there and was a proper clubber, and then it moved i think i was only there twice so it wasn't a, it wasn't a huge rocks thingy, thing but then it moved and it came to dundee and then then i was a rumba i would say a resident clubber i was at there and, and i followed it around and it went back to perth i was there so i think i become involved after their one one more tune i sort of become known to win i would always was no know, known win stein and started like getting to know them socially and i think they got us in for the our broth one they did they did a big one in our broth and it was a huge lineup again dave james bradley for chris and james jeremy healy uh we scotty williams was at god rest his soul was on that one as well van damme these kind of guys and i got in there and it kind of went well and then they said look, of pulling his back and then dundee dance event would you like to play rumba dde for us that kind of went well and then it just slowly fell in along we guys like Tom Simpson, who I've played football with since I was like nine-year-old, and Chrissy Mann, who I've known, so Ray Jam, Mike McDonald, started playing with these boys, Alan Dobson, and it was the kind of circles we were moving in, so it was kind of a natural progression, but so, so, so thankful to Wayne Stein, just, just, I never ever take it for granted, I'm kind of like at most of their events now as the warm-up guy, but I never, I never actually say I'm a rumber resident, because I just always, I'm always worried it's going to finish and, and stop, and it's just so, so happy, because my missus, my missus doesn't go to the Rumba because I'm playing. My missus is going, oh, I'm going to the Rumba. Are you on? Yeah. Because she's just, she's just going and her pals are going to the Rumba. Uh, and it, it just happened to be on. She's so not, not like, caring about you. Eh, she doesn't care about idea. to be honest. Like, she's <laughs> just like, oh, are, you, are you on it, Yeah. So I'm always thinking, I'm like, I might end soon, but just to be playing at a club that's been going for 30 years with the people that's there, with the crowd that still go, it's just phenomenal. Just, just an amazing club.
0: Uh, just it's incredible. An, uh, um, one thing I want to mention, and I want to, you can confirm if this happened, Eddie Hallowell does not turn up. Yep. One, what happened? And two, who did the call on in his place? <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, i just touched a bit there. Scotty Williams, God rest his soul, uh, no longer with us. Scotty, Scotty was doing really well. DJ was going really well. He's promoting was doing really well. Me and him have done a lot of events together. We did uh, a Mara Picotto in uh, the waterfront together. That was just bonkers. Yep. It was just like about three, four thousand people going bonkers. I don't, I don't think we've ever, the videos of that on YouTube and I think I've done a night since that's, that's was that the night. electrode night yeah uh, I was there yeah that so was the, the, mental you know, the atmosphere there was just phenomenal the videos are just uh, bonkers he took forever to play his big tunes aye there. aye <laughs> just okay, what, a, what a great guy he's well now if, keep booking him back he's just such, yeah. just such a great guy and uh we did another in the reading rooms that went really well and then we did another one in Fat Sam's that was it did okay. We maybe lost a wee bit of money, but it was still a great night and uh, it went okay, but just great. I'm there. So Scotty was doing really well for his cell and he managed him as a promoter and DJ and he decided to put this big Eddie Halliwell night on. So I don't know, I think I'm talking about a ton here what went on. Eddie was, Eddie was, uh, his rider was, he needed a hotel for him. He needed a hotel for his pals. He needed a, he had a big, huge drink rider. He had all this kind of stuff. So I, th- I think, I'm paraphrasing, I can't remember the exact figures, but say for example, Eddie Halley was five grand. Say he was five grand. So you've got a contact with these people. You've got to pay, you agree to it. So Scott had done this and he wanted the money up front because he'd, he'd had his fingers burnt before. Somebody had done it. I wonder why that wouldn't have been, wouldn't have paid them, So he had his fingers burnt. So he wanted the cash up front. And because ticket sales, Scotty had loads of people he knew would be paying at the door. He never had the cash on him. I think he got four grand together and said, well, I've not got the five. Here's four grand. I know there's going to be a couple hundred people pay at the door because the buzz is crazy. And it was and it was a busy night. And he said, so I'll give the other grand. And he went, nah, cash up front and I'm not playing. So he was booked in for two hours. So Scotty said, well, look, you're booked in for two hours for five grand. If I give you the four, will you play for another? hour? No, he wouldn't have budged He wouldn't have budge. And Scott's texting me saying, "I'm up shit creek. Have you have you got like a grand in your bank account?" And and in their days, I didn't hate to a heapness to rob a guy. I was a kitchen sink. I just had nothing. And uh, I said, "No, I've no mate. I've no." And probably probably would have been scared to give him it anyway. Because like you say, clubbing's never a <laughs> never a done thing. The, the nights you think will be busy are quiet, and the things will be quiet are busy. So the, if you want to lose money quickly, promote nights. That's that's my motto But he's going, I'm, I'm really in a shit here. So he went around, I think I gave him 50 or 100 quid and he went around about 10 He's good mates and I well got there. And I think he got up to about 4,400. So he was 600 shy and Eddie went, the contract states, five grand. I, again, it might not have been fair. Maybe maybe Eddie Hall was, say 10 grand. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Fair rings a bell, but he was something like 400 pound short, Ronnie. And he says, no, nah, I'm no moving till that comes. And the, by this time, the club had opened and he was getting some money in. So I think he went around be another 100 quid or that. And then he was like, I think by this time Scotty was going, what, bit of an arse, can, can like I say, I'm gonna ask you once more, can you play for an hour? Nah, nah, I'm not playing, I'm not playing it. So he just decided to stay in his hotel. Kept drinking now, ah, the free bevy he was getting though. Uh-huh. He still had the room for his pals. This is this is the, the tale. Can and maybe Eddie Halliwell tells a different story and, it, and maybe I'm blaspheming here, speaking about it, but this is the story I got for Scott, and Scotty's pretty honest. So we got there, the warm-up guys were on, I was playing in room two. Uh we Nikki Flame. Night kicked right off. It was looking really good. There was two other rooms, the white room in fact it was looking great. The main room was just getting out, and then Scotty went, He's not coming. He's not coming. So we're sitting in the green room, he goes, I'm going to tell people and he says, I'm going to disappear. I'm going to get lynched I said, Look, mate, don't worry about it. They will be annoyed. You could give some people their money back. We'll mark at work. We'll mark at work. And then I ah, it was time for Eddie Halliwell to go in. There was a buttwa a of have struggle in a wee vacuum. There was like five or six DJs were hanging about. They'd heard word now that Eddie was thinking. So I think everybody was starting to like, I think at one point there was six people touching the mixer and everybody was saying, ah, I'm a lot of taco and I'm a heavy shot. Who's going? And it was just like people were, you know, like when you'd watch a boiler room set and they'd get too close. Hey, see when people are doing boiler room set and people get too close to them and that, be saying, oh, elbowing people. So it was, was about six of was elbowing for jockeying for position. And I said, well, mate, you're going to, to decide. Somebody's going to, to do the slot. And he went, what do you think? I goes, mate, it's up to you. What do you want? Well, he goes, I don't know I could trust it. He goes, would you do it for us? I said, well, do it if you want. Uh do you want me to go on? And he says, okay. So I went in and he says, I says, what if I go back to back with you, Nicky flame? Nicky, Nicky was doing really well at the time. I says, if I go on my own, it'll maybe look thingy. We'll go on and we'll mark it look. And so me and Nicky flame went back to back and it just kicked off. But mm-hmm. this time the word was getting through that Eddie was going na- to was na- come in. People were saying uh, the, the bastard was, got four and a half grand and he wouldn't play and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So the crowd actually turned on him and started saying, who the fuck is Halliwell and done that. So the mayor, we sort of fed off that. No, that's no, almost that football crowd. Can yeah. they, can the, the anger people were getting annoyed that he was in there and they were going Eddie fuck fuck Eddie fuck Eddie so we are playing tunes turning the music down letting them chant fuck Eddie and it kind of kicked off and it was just really good and the buzz was just brilliant poor Scotty nearly had a nervous brat and had to run away him and just he just went and hid and says oh, I don't know can the crowd's going to turn on us but then uh, he got the story out there and what had happened and uh, people let's say people turned on him because I uh, think for me I mean I remember
0: just uh, probably just reading about it on social media and thinking that's my, I mean, I was I was at the stage I wasn't going out to gigs like that, and I, purely because and I don't know who I was speaking to at the time because it was a wee while ago now. But I remember seeing him at the glams, thinking this boy's amazing, yeah. like this boy is amazing and an absolute gentleman at the time. I mean, I was mm-hmm. the Pioneer's Wages, so I wasn't. He wasn't. He, was he was. He was fine with me. And I mind speaking to him at the glams and Ken just having a drink with him and whatever, and he was absolutely brilliant. And I mm-hmm. might hearing that going, "That sounds well shy like, yeah. and then it turns, and then you're hearing wait a minute, he's, he's demanding
1: uh, his money? man. Uh, you're thinking, come on. And the story was, he stayed in his hotel yeah. and then fucked off the next day type he, thing. Here's the thing, Ronnie. Maybe, maybe this was not coming through and him. Maybe he's has got to speak to his manager. Yeah. And maybe, yeah, we all know, right, he was contractually obligated to get five grand, right? Yeah. So to, to me, he, so within contractual law, he was right. If he doesn't get his five grand before the gig and it says, must be paid before the gig or he's not going to turn up. So he never did anything wrong legally. Mm-hmm. And he's maybe... He, he said before he'd come out at four and said he'd had been he'd had his fingers burnt in Dundee by you know paying him but that would be if he says look I've got a grand here I'll pay you the other four you could understand he's like so the other way things, God, I mean. You. but again we're our humans right and he's got to think of his crowd he could have said well bugger we Scott Williams but my crowds expect me there for tours so I'll come out I will do it. I'll tap the four and a half grand and I'll play for one hour but m- maybe that message never got me. it's bad rule yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not, I having to get in my bed for it but <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, so maybe his manager was sitting there going no Eddie if, if you say yes this time they'll start talking to piss uh, I think unless he gets the five grand here we'll just see a good time maybe he was exhausted maybe up got my feet th- you, you, you didn't I can. so I'm not going to decry the guy but I thought it was a bit, I it was a bit shitty shitty way to be and like I say he's, he's out with a load, I'll do an hour then for four and a half grand uh, and sure as fate the, the night was mobbed so Scotty would have had the extra 600 quid by the end of the night he would have got it but it's his full time job. He was he, he was a big DJ at the time, so maybe maybe he had enough gigs to say, No, you're turning the piss, so I'm not gonna do it. So I saying, you turned <laughs> down five grand, you're doing all right. Do that now. But yeah, do you know what? I profited it. See, for a while after that. it was just boom, boom, boom. The yeah. gigs just like like, like it's, it's really I've been DJing since I was eighteen. I'm now forty-nine. And and I've been on a crescendo. I've had maybe a year out, and I've I've had this. I've had things happen. Two thousand three, was I was doing really well. I was I was playing the glams. I was playing Fatties once a month. I was playing the uh, universe and court bridges at that time. I was playing. I can't remember. I'm really terrible at years. I never can. What's Is that? What? Right? I forgot. I forgot more things than I've remembered. But I was I had at least three or four residencies. Everything's going well, and then I'm, I'm in the army reserve, still am, and I got called up for Iraq. 2003, I was like, I only joined the TF to get driving lessons in some cheap bevy. Can I'm, I'm getting pissed at Barry with me with my mates. The next minute, I'm a troop sergeant in Iraq, standing in Basra, and there's bullets going on our head, and I'm going, what the fuck am I doing here? And like, there was a couple of us, there, there was hundreds of reservists went, but I got put in with a regular, a regular troop, and I was in charge of it. And this is guys who'd been in for years, they'd been... Training their whole life for this. And, and I was just a pissed up guy where I was like, like I say, joined it for joined it for a pissed piss-up in Barry Budden. And I remember this uh st- got sniper fire in ba- downtown bazaar, sniper fire going over, and I'm standing there going, what the fuck? And this young boy, young Siggy, which is like a private in the Royal Signals, which is what I was in, he goes, Sarge, Sarge, can you make sure I go to this alive? And I just tapped him on the helmet and I'll get your son in. I just turned and went, why the fuck's gonna get me at this? I'm thinking, how does DJing work in here? I said, I'm a DJ and I work in a factory. Now I'm standing in Basra. And it, it was really strange because there was a, the, the guys were all really sound. There was a little troop. There was about nine, 12 of us. There were all good lads. Apart from one boy, there was a, there was a full screw, which was a corporal, two stripes, and I was a sergeant. And it turns out this guy was up for his sergeant. He was going to get promoted. And obviously, if it's, if you're in a TA, you like to get promoted, but it's like your hobby. It's not your main wage. But if you're in the army, it's your hey, wage. It's what's paying the mortgage. So this boy got. Uh, carried over for promotion. He never got his sergeant. So he's a bit bitter and pissed off. He gets to a Basra and they say, This is your new sergeant. It's a stab, which is what they call us the stupid TA bastards. So they, uh, the boy comes up and he says, So what are you? You've been the troop sergeant. He says, Yeah, I've never seen you. And Royal Signals is quite a small corps. So most people know each other. He went, I've never seen you before. What, what, what unit are you in? I went, Two Sigs. He went, Oh, Two Signal Regiment. I went, No, Two Signals Gordon, Dundee, TA. And he went, Yeah, fucking one. And this boy, did everything he can to belittle us, bemoan us, tat the absolute piss. And it was just, there was one day I was there and it come to a head and I thought, there's only way, one way of this. This boy's trying to uh, totally undermine me oh all thingy. So I said, can I have a word with you? He just grabbed him, pulled him in the I said, right, me and you, there's only one way to sort this out. He, he was a Ouija as well. The boys were English. He, he, I thought, would hear that Scottish affinity, but he, the boy was a knob. But I could see, he, he was... He was annoyed at getting passed over. So I turned him around the back and said, right, me and you square go, let's sort this suit as men. And he went, oh, no, no, no bother. So I grabbed the hood him and grabbed him by the neck, put him against the one and said, this stops now or or, or you're for it. And he went, oh, look, oh, big man, sorry about that. And he was all right after that. But I'm still going like that. Fucking hell. Uh, what am I doing in flipping? What am I doing in Iraq? <laughs> How did I get here? How did this happen? I'd kind was of, like Ben Vinyl 12 weeks ago. And now yeah. I'm standing here. But do you know what? It's kind of made as the guy I am. I like to think, um, it seems weird being in a war zone, but I'm kind of more positive now. I looked at what the Iraqis had and I, I looked at the state, the left Bajra and I went up north to some of the places. I was in a lot of Saddam Hussein's palaces and, and looking around and seeing everything caked in gold and 100 metres away outside the thingy, the boys were living, living rough. So I kind of got, I don't I think I'm about as much of that. But the downside to that was when I come back, other clubs had said no we'll hold keep your residency think they'd been away for a couple of weeks can he's why with the ta for two week camp it was away for six months so when i come back i'd lost glasgow i'd lost uh, the the universe i'd lost the arbroath i'd lost fatties and on. so i kind of had to start again after that so like i say it's i've been peaks and troughs and mm. that's where i've been yeah uh, one thing i want to ask what was it like playing carnival 56 oh carnival 56 was
0: because
1: i and if people have forgot but it was a Big event for Dundee, oh, wasn't it? Massive, massive event, massive festival, massive lineup. I know for some people, maybe indie fans, it maybe wasn't the best lineup. Kind of. There was like Clean Bandit, which is maybe a poppy type thing. But people say to me, "Are oh, you only saying that because you were working there. You were DJing it. So, of course, you're going to bum it up. And, and yeah, I would. But for me, I went to tea in the Park every year. I never went, Right, what's the lineup? My mates went, Tina the Park, yeah. Never, I didn't care where I was headlining Ronnie again somebody would say oh, actually it's clean band and uh, uh, flipping fast daddy on the myth organ this year it has still been there eh? if, if the DJ was the boy that done the waltzers at, at Caird Park it has still been there and it wasn't because it was a great do whether it pissed or not it was sunny you were wee a lot of my mates, as we got older, were people who would call Teen the Parkers. They didn't go clubbing every week because they had kids, they had a responsible job, they had families. So they couldn't go every week, but every year it was just this, this squad would get a 15 seat minibus and would go to Teen the Park. And it's for me, driving back for Ken Ross or, or whatever it ended up being you'd be on that bus and the hangover would start to kick in because you'd been drinking for one in the afternoon. You're staying rough. You'd either fast asleep on the bus or you'd be reeling to go to a party and you'd feel rough. And that bus journey home was horrific. In your wellies, soaking, pushed, pushed right through. And I thought, Carnival 56, we could do the same, but I could whack him. If he can I could whack him or at worst get a taxi and it'll be feminist. That's amazing. And then for me, obviously being a dance music fan, I love indie music and all, but for dance music, it was like... Basement Jacks, Sasha, uh, James Zubelia uh, what was he, the Scottish Boy that was uh, thinking It was just an uh, unbelievable lineup. And people said, uh, I don't think it was the best. Sasha's the, like the biggest DJ in the world. And that's there. And then I can't remember the, who was the, the added a band later when somebody pulled out, they added, I uh, was about say, Prefab Spout there. <laughs> why, did it, why did it add Primal Scream? That. They had Primal oh, Scream. There you go. They had Primal Scream. That's still amazing. But the the venue and we'd always look forward to it and, ah, do you remember Radio 1's Big Weekend I yeah, was at that that? That? That, that, was that, was, that was phenomenal as no. well and that was another thing it was like this is a festival in Dundee but you could swagger him after that because yeah. as Dundonians we've either had to go Aberdeen Airport or Glasgow Airport or Edinburgh Airport when you go on holiday you don't have to leave for Dundee unless you're just going to London you've got to get a train or drive yeah. to Glasgow or Edinburgh if you go to a festival you've got to transmit or you've got to go to tea in the Park This is on the doorstep. Uh, Yeah. And I thought that, so that one weekend was phenomenal. Had the best time ever and then swaggered him. So I thought, Canal 56 is just going to be this and more. The weather was great. It was fantastic. But just this Dundee mentality, "Uh, but but I've not got this long plane, so I'm not going to go. And a few people, and there was was issues with tickets and apps, a few people turned their back on it. But support it and then they seen people saying oh is it no bat next year oh, well no did you go no well that's why it's no bat yeah. next year but the, the, for me the main stage was just like oh the dance tent was it a success I know people say the bands weren't great but the dance the, the crowd the DJs they had in the crowd the tent was rammed so I opened up on the Saturday so I was the first DJ to play it, and there was like whew, I think there was about 12 turntables because they had that many big DJs on they needed to transition between them you know yourself back in Medi you put a bit of vinyl but now there was CDJs, somebody uh, will need a laptop, so you need room for other these guys to stick their flipping... Uh, bits
0: and, bulbs, bits and bobs. and you in it. You can't
1: be up. leaning over James Zubelia plugging your iPad in while he's doing it. So you've, <laughs> so you've got to hear these decks right across. So for a festival, you need them. So there's like eight decks there, tw- two 1210s. And I was just like, wow, it's like a spaceship. So starting off with that was just amazing, wound not for the boys. And then later on, I was playing with Mikey Robertson on uh, on the Red Bull truck. And me and Mikey done this kind of like a... You know the Australian, Australian, Austrian clocks, kind of where, where the woman goes in uh, and the man goes back. <laughs> well, me and Mikey were playing this game. I did where there was like there was a, a a big bar underneath the decks in the main dance thing. So because we bought a couple of wee drinks just to get us loosened up, but then, I think there wasn't many people there for mess set open it too. So uh, I got too drunk and I for an I was blurred. And but you know when you know you're blurred and you're like, oh, what am I doing here? I need to sober up. I'm playing a, I'm playing at eight o'clock on the Red Bull truck. I need to sober up. And Mikey Roberts come and goes me and you are back to back in about four hours, you better sober up and I says okay and I seen him in the letter and he was going where are we, we playing letter by I says so I sobered up and I went Mikey you better screw the nut pal and then I went to another tent and there was a f- free bar there and I so I better next minute I was fine about it again he went and it was just it was like of that Austrian clock he was he was there I was blurred I was blurred. and then we got in the truck luckily I sobered up a bit by then we are on that 71 Bruin thingy Mikey was gubbed. Mikey was absolutely gobbed, And the sun was beaming down because it was outdoors, beaming down on the on the, the CDJ 2000s. You couldn't read the screen. So we were there. We were past there. We couldn't see what was going on. So it ended up being an absolute shambles. So I think we got away. I think we got away at just, but uh, that was the highlight of my, my carnival well, If you thought you got away, you uh, well, just outed uh, yourself. So uh, that's fine. Uh, um, one thing that I was noticing um,
0: before COVID and the hacks, we'll get to what you done during covid but before that you were doing a you were kind of doing that transition for dj to producing weren't you you were doing a sort of testing your hands at other
1: stuff and trying new things i, I, I was and i wanted to try it and i i, I went on a course for Ableton, and and uh i kind of enjoyed it but it's something you really really need to put the time in to to, to get any kind of level of good good production and you need to put the time in. you need to give it and you need to uh, the say producers now are, are the, the nerds the pasty white people we bad backs poor essay and, and bad ears because you've got to sit if you want to you want a tune you, you, may, you might hit a lucky viral tune you bang one out and you turn a few knobs and it comes out quite good but if you want to if you want to put the time in uh, and you want to hear one more than one tune, Can you might hear one, one fluke, but if you want to be a career as a producer and do it, you need to sit in that studio and work, 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 work. And I just didn't hear that time. I'd like to hear the time. I struggle to hear the time of DJing. I work full time. Currently I used to work in Aberdeen, but now I'm in Glenroth. That's quite a stressful project management job, but that takes up all my time. Then I'm in the Army Reserve. That's every other second weekend. I'm a staff sergeant in that. That's kinda a lot there. I was coaching my son's football team, Dundee West, uh, three times a week, then the game as well. So that's kind of, kind of, you've got to prepare for it. You've got to do the paperwork. You've got to do stuff. Aye. Parents are phoning you every 15 minutes, like, oh, texting you, what's happening with this? What's happening? Come in yeah, I'm at work, mate. and this is not my full-time job. also run Dundee West over 35s and still play football over on the that and run club nights and promotion and day a few other businesses. So, we are that. There's not a lot of time for production and I would love to, but also I, I kind of got on and I kind of enjoyed it, but I just thought I've just not got the time to devote and today the basics is there, but let's say to, to go up a level, you've got to learn and learn and learn and I'm all are nothing type of guy, but also kind of feel, I kind of sort of got annoyed about it because some people are really good producers and some people are really good DJs and some people are really good DJ producers. You've got your your Patrick Toppin, whose tunes are great, great producer. And when he's DJing, I've, I like hearing them as well, but I also know some people who are really good producers who are absolutely shite DJs. And just because you can make a good tune doesn't mean DJs. And some people think DJs now we, we modern equipment. You know, you sell, you press the sync button, and a guy who picks it up next week is as good a DJ as me, mixing. But before you put a set of twelve tens in front of somebody, and again, I'm not any of the DJs it says if you can't mix vinyl, then you're not a DJ. And my for technology, I've got CDJ two thousands. I press the sync button. I know how to beat match, but I did. So I'm not one of them old school DJs, but DJs no pressing button. It's known when to play a tune to the right people, to the right crowd, knowing what you're kind of doing. Whereas I think there's people who are producers and they play just their tunes and that's great. There's also loads of DJs like me who aren't a great producers and haven't had the time. This, and it's kind of like this, you've got to be, to make it in the crowd, make it in the world now, you've got to be a DJ producer. There's nobody, Making it now, who isn't making tunes, and that for me, well, why should that be? Call them people producers and call them people DJs, and some people are DJ producers, but I just think it's annoying that you've got to be seen to be a DJ producer to be a DJ, and that's not what DJing's about for me. And you go for the
0: the big difference, like you say, you're saying, you're starting in twelve tens to what your what's your current setup now?
1: I mean, you what about uh, USB pens yet? Well, well, that's it. So, so in my studio next door, I've got two CDJ two thousands, just the the Mark ones on the Mark two, so they don't hit the sync button and uh, two 1210s and RMX 1000. So that's kind of, and, and I used to take, if I was gigging at parties, I would take that all out and then I started to realise that it doesn't really like being, even with flight cases, that kind of equipment doesn't like being moved about. So I thought, no, I need I need to. And as I, as I got busier and during lockdown and started to do private gigs and doing parties and that, I hated controllers. I really, really had a bad time with controllers. A few of my mates had them and they were just like these Fisher Price toys and they had those tiny, anybody that's DJ'd, the jog wheels the the platter on a, a turntable that, that that you put a bit of vinyl on and CDJs com- computer uh dj equipment tries to replicate that with a big bit of vinyl and you push the vinyl the same as you do these wee things pressing I them and they'd always spin dead quick and it was like it was like playing boppa or something for me and then <laughs> I done a few gigs with people and they had some of this this DDJ 200s and all that And it wasn't a DJing for me. It it was like playing that dancing game on the Wii. And it was just like, I I wanted to date with my, Ken yourself being a DJ. See when people come up and say, are you still DJing? Are you still playing that boom boom music? And I was going, and they did that scratching noise and they did that motion. You were like that with them and I hated them. And I actually started saying to people to gigs, oh, we've got a gig, we're doing this. I've got an ex DJ RX 745 Mm -hmm. Cosworth hey, Fiesta gear, and I'm like, what, the, what is that? I didn't. Can I plug my memory stick in? It's yeah, and I said like right, the jog wheel. I was like, wak-a, 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 wak-a. And it was like I was like a. You see the cats have got these scratch posts that I've got. I was like, it's cat scratching post. And I like, I hate these. Yeah. And it would always, cause they were laptops, they would stop working. Oh, oh that channel doesn't work. Somebody spilled a drink on it. And I said, like, oh no, it's not for me. But come full circle. After lugging the 1210s about and lugging the CDJ 2000, I thought, these are, can they're £1,500 a pop? These are too expensive to be. And people say, can I hire them? Can I hire them? And I said, eh, I'll I'll date for 50 quid and hire them. They'd always come back with your drink spilt on them because I spill drink on equipment when I'm DJing and everybody spills it. And if it's no your equipment, it's funny. You you just didn't take care of it. uh, But the thing is, if you hire equipment out, you've got to be a guy who could fix equipment, you've got to be able to service it. So it. That's, that's yeah. why they mark their money. It's easy for them to tap the board out, clean it and, and do it. So I said, no, I it. So I bought myself a controller, but I bought the DJ 1000 because it's got the same jog wheels. It's on the 2000. So it does feel like when you're playing me, it, it, does feel like a DJ equipment rather than a Fisher Price thing. So mm. I think things have moved on now, but there's just so much kit there. It, right? It's just like, it's so, it's, it's a good thing. It's so affordable. There's so much technology. It's great anybody could now be a DJ in their bedroom. So, so it's great in a way. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, that's what I'm playing on now. Um, COVID obviously hit and for Abdi, it was
0: chaos because maybe mm-hmm. I, mean, I think most people thought it'd be like three weeks, but uh gig stopped and uh, your live lockdown podcast was born. Yes. Were you just
1: thinking I need something do on a Saturday night? Do you know what, I I thought about it, I I, kind of let it, spoke before, I've I've had this like peaks and troughs of DJ and I've been right into it and then I was, oh, never quite fell out of love. No, when I did sort of fall out of love, when EDM came along, it kind of really, really killed it for me, Ronnie. And it was just like, everybody I knew was playing EDM, everybody I knew was buying decks, everybody, every gig I went to, people were playing the same Beatport top 10. And there was no variety, and it was just like the DJ would come off and do it. And I was starting to play for, like, uh, Colours and Street Rave. And then I went and played uh, Colours Fest a couple of times in Glasgow, a big festival. And I sort of played the first one, and it was housey, and I played a house set, and I just went doing okay, and it was getting there. But in that days, it was like you had to bring a bus, and you were, you were DJing in a portal, basically, so you would bring crowds. And it was great, but do you know what? It's an education. It's a, You're working your way up to stuff. And people... I wouldn't decry it. You've got to work up yourself. You'll have done gigs for nothing. Yep. Uh, you do gigs for free sometimes with the offer. Uh, you do this and then the next day, you I'll know, give you money. And it doesn't, maybe it doesn't work out. But it's, uh, people say it's uh, about exposure. But unfortunately, exposure doesn't pay your mortgage. So you do the gigs and you get your name out there. And then you start to say, no, no, I'm needing 50 quid, 100 quid. And then you start to work up. Then you get a name. So it was good and I'd done it. But then the next year I'd done it and EDM had just come in. And the main room was EDM and the trance room was EDM, than my room. So I went in and played house, and it cleared it. And the next point, ah, 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 this, this, and, and loads of loads of people I knew uh, were DJing EDM, and now they'd probably be embarrassed they were playing it. But for me, it almost killed music. For me, it was just every tune's that big. Ah, ah, ah. It's, it's hardcore for me, and it killed it. And I started going to gigs, and then I played a gig in the reading rooms, and it was EDM. And the boy before me was playing one four five BPM, and this was in the chillout room, and I'm thinking. Christ, I might want to go on and play flipping DJ Alan Brax at 118 BPM. I'm going to kill it. And right enough, I went on and I killed it, but no, cause the music was shit. Cause it's, this guy's banging it out at half past nine. And then I done it there. So i kind of fell out. Like we love a, a music a wee bit. Uh, and then I did my night with John P's Woman Dare, which rekindled it again. And then I started getting gigs again. Street Rafe come along and I started doing the arches and it was, this is all right, but I've got a busy life. So, one gig a month's probably doing as all right, earning decent money here we go uh DD was probably my, my favourite day of the year that was going really well so, so it was good and then locked in common I thought I want a day of live stream I've got other equipment I've got a studio this would work <sighs> not really and my good mate Keith Gibson he went, how oh, are you not doing a live stream? Some DJs are getting, like, loads of you, can hundreds of views. I said, <laughs> do you think there'd be any market for that? And he went, well, we could always ask. And I said, well, you get 100 likes on this post, 150 likes on this post, and we'll see how it goes. So he goes, right, okay. So he tagged us in and goes, guys, I'm trying to get Bully to do a live stream. If he gets 150 likes on this, uh, Bully, will you get a to do a live stream? I only get it, boom, within about six hours. There was 200 likes on it. So I thought, I'm going to edit it now. Come on, I've got the studio for it. i was here we go. I'll get a I'll use my phone, just a wee webcam on it. And boom, Ronnie, it exploded. That absolutely exploded. I think there was, I think there was someone on the first one, 3,000 views. Yeah. 3,000. And then when it after it went live and, and it said this video will be ready and uploaded, by the, by the next week there was seven, 8,000 views on it. And it was just, I think it was just what worked was it was organic. It wasn't a preordained. I didn't say, right, I'm going to play old school, but I'll play some new stuff. And then I'll play some, I played some eight days, even played a bit of Northern soul. Uh, and I think just the missus got dolled up. She put her makeup on and danced around. And it wasn't even like, are you going to dance? She was not a day yet, But then she got drunk and she danced on camera. And then she, oh, will get cleared back on. I want to see her outfit. So it was just totally organic. The banter wasn't happening. I think it, I didn't think I actually spoke that much the first time. And Cause no, I'm not really, nah. I, I'm a dance DJ. There's no really call for speaking on the mic. A uh, uh, few gins, you are a different uh, man. You are a different <laughs> man after a few <laughs> gins. Ah, so I didn't have planted it. And the other thing as well, technology-wise, basically the first one, the music was playing in the background mm. and the phone was just recording the event. So you heard everything. You heard Claire Gaines a hard time for spilling drinks, although, God, the shoe quickly turned a bit than that. And, and we're speaking about, do you think know, anybody's listening? Or what will we do now? And just totally speaking. That was being picked up by the mic. Yeah. Whereas... Given a few weeks into it, obviously they would then plug the audio straight into a webcam and, and and all you were hearing was the music coming through. And if I opened the mic to do it, but the, the first week I cringed. Some of the, you could hear us speaking about then the washing up and stuff like that and get the cats, get the cats out. So it just it just blossomed from that first week to like like say, because we're looking like Judge Jules was having four hundred pounds on four hundred people on his stream and he had like fifteen hundred and I was thinking, what's it going on? But it was quite Dundee centric and it was the east coast of Scotland it was a lot of people were on but then I just started Oh, here we gin just to get get it going and then next minute the banter started and then the chat room started as well and then people started going, oh what's Claire's outfit so Claire would come on and show her shoes and then the cats would walk in and then Owen would jump on my son would jump on and wave and then his Dundee Westmates would wave back then they'd get his abuse on the chat and then it was meant to be 9 till 11 and then 11 had come and people would say the first few weeks they did it for charity and I've done it for this charity and people would say "Well, will another 30 quid if you stay on but this time the gin's kicked in so right 11 become 12 become 1 and then clear no that's it we've got to go to bed and then it just evolved into this massive thing mm. and just like I say out in place, I got bigger and bigger and snowballed and then this persona of uh, I started getting a bit grumpy towards the end but no being grumpy, deliberately being grumpy to people because people started like asking for requests but they got really, really, really right. about it. Uh, will you play this? And I would say, look, look, I didn't really do request it. It's two hours. I've been programming this our week because I'd spend hours getting it ready. I'd spend Wednesday night, Thursday night, Friday afternoon, and I'd be Saturday getting this. I, I, it maybe sounded like a shambles but I'd actually planned it. And people would say, are you going to play this? And then they'd text us and say no. Then they'd phone us and then they'd do that. And then I had to say to people, look, See, every time you Facebook message me, my, my Wi Fi is no great here and it signal's dropping. Could you stop messaging us? Which just everybody can, people don't, oh, I'm going to message them more. Can I get my request? Then I was getting snidey phone calls. If you didn't play this request, I'm logging off. fucking log off then, I'm doing this for nothing, I'm spending like, 18 hours a week, getting ready for this, I I was getting some of charity, so, this persona of, uh, Cyril Sneer, developed, in the character there, and I started putting the logo on, Cyril (laughs) says no, and then Claire would get drunk, and Claire would start doing pirouettes, then she'd, I lost count the first time month. She knocked the webcam out three times. She pulled the audio wire out. I'm sure she fell over on one of the. She fell over and knocked on <laughs> someone else. There was one time that we had a we had a volume control on the on the OBS software and mm. then the volume control for the the decks. And Ed showed that I goes, look and I need you to day someone here transition like go, they had two cameras so to go just now and again just go for the top camera to the left. She went okay and I, and I said change the camera now love and she went what. So change the camera, you, The music. She went. Oh, I can't hear him. So she turned the volume down on the OBS, which turns the hell stream down. So, but but the decks are still pumping. Something like that. And then next minute, ding, 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 ding. No volume. No volume. Claire, did you touch anything? No, no. I have no touch. Nothing. I have no touch. Nothing. So she's pissed. Then pissed. The fight bracks out. And I went. Claire, that volume's doing that. Wasn't it me? It wasn't me. I never touched that. So I turned it back up, and that they kind of things kind of became what I was known for. it eh? just would end up fighting on camera. Uh, I'd get drunk and start giving people a hard time. People were giving me a hard time in the banter. just thing. but no, no, it was wrong. It was really strange. You, did, you didn't I think what lockdown was tough, and it was tough for a lot of people. And and like you say, this thing, I, I'm loving being across for you. Where do we hug at the start and seeing just see touching people again yeah. and being DJing again? It's great. But some people were really struggling, and I think. I've got a garden and we got out in the garden, and my son could go out there and we could go out on the bikes. I've got the froggy around the corner. We, mm-hmm. we walked around there. Some people were living in flats, uh, we need a garden and we're on their own. And some people were messaging, saying, You're the only person I hear, uh, obviously, I listen to TV, but you're the only person who's like speaking back and forward to me. I'm not my work, I'm not socially interacting with people. I go to the shop and and or, and bend stuff online. So for a lot of people, it was a total lifeline. And see, hearing that people saying, "Oh, you kept me going during lockdown," it just felt great. Mm. How was how was the lockdown thing for you yourself? Ah, <sighs> it was it was okay. I'm, I would say I'm a people person. I need to even at my work. I'm like a project manager. See see if I'm asking someone, look, I really need you to buy and I need you to do this and that. Emma. I look somebody in the eye and then say something, them and I look at their body language if they're going, "Oh yeah, I'll do that for you," but the face is saying, "No, I right, sh- can <coughs> shove it right up your arse. I'm not doing that for you." I can sort of read it there, and I'm I'm punch somebody in the arm, kind and say, "My guy," kind of, I'm a punch somebody and hook that, "Hey, yeah, come on, like, no matter what, even at big boardroom levels, I'm grabbing boys and, and digging them in the ribs." That, that's that's me. So we that kind of thing, I was a bit lost, and I was in my studio working, and all my calls were on teams, and then my son was off school as well, and mm. he kind of. He's got a fucking PlayStation addiction. He's never off that, like, proper. And that just developed in lockdown. And I just think... I thought me, me and Mrs were worried that us being together in lockdown, we would have been killing each other. But we're Mere than normal. Yeah, because yeah, we'd we kill each other on screen and we are <laughs> nip, nip, nip at the time. we would love it to death, but we are nip, nip, nip at the time. But we thought, oh, us being together, we'll be divorced. Yeah. We actually blossomed and got better. But me and my son's relationship kind of... Because he, he was in all day. It was working all day and I'm on a call, conference call to the States and he's screaming Fortnite. oh this so our relationship became quite fractious yeah. during uh, lockdown and, and I'm not afraid that my, my mental health really suffered and I think it was no day in what I love wasn't I getting to play football wasn't I getting to coach the kids wasn't I getting to go to the army reserve wasn't I getting a DJ and missing that interaction with your crowd and then being cooped up in here and my son me and him but banging heads before it was like, do what you're told. But now he's 15 and he's six foot one. So he's an inch bigger than me. He's got size 11 feet. So any kind of interaction with him almost become physical. So uh, I really, really suffered and a relationship suffered. And it's, it's not even repaired now, but fingers crossed we'll get there. But I, I was really toiling towards the end of mm. the, the first lock. No, first lockdown was great. I think everybody kind of enjoyed that. I've, I've never been furloughed, but working for home was okay. And it saved us driving to Glenrothes because well, I wants to drive to Fife. Eh? so Correct. Uh, uh, I mean, I, I was off. I, like uh,
0: we had followed for a little bit as well, and we've been kind of been wanting him since we went back. But that time it was really tough, and I remember thinking, my, my other half Claire as well. She works for the NHS, so she was worked right through in the office. And I remember thinking, see, as long as I can keep myself busy, she comes home at the back of three, I'll be all right. Mm-hmm. But see, if I'm talling at midday. That's why I'm, I'm worried, and then we obviously, well, I was telling you before, we bought a lockdown dog, and it kind of changed things a wee bit, because it was like, well, I kind of mump and moan here, eh, because mm-hmm. I need to be here for her, like, she's not going to, I'm not having her person in the car, but she needs to go outside and stuff like that, but it was, kind of, it did get tough at times as well, but, like I was saying, you've, did the Saturday night then just give you something that then, opened up a little bit and gave because you started it was it every fortnight
1: initially it, it, it was weekly 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 to begin with weekly yeah. and, I, and I just oh, snowballed so quickly yeah. I just really wasn't expecting that and and I think I think if I'd planned it and if I think I'd have said right Claire you come on and have a comedy trip over the wire right I'm going to call myself Cyril Sneer and do that I think if I'd done that people would have seen through it and it would yeah. have been that's no genuine but I think the fact that it wasn't a planned uh, and it snowballed and I was in the early days doing it for charity and doing other things and had wee competitions I just think it got so big so quick uh, and I was loving it and it gave us a focus because I was, it was I had it pretty easy like I say I've got a garden and can, my family's are healthy we never got COVID I was still working so I had a focus a lot of people had it worse than me but still I've never really and I think it's great we speak about mental health now and now I've never had mental health issues but I started to get about anxiety. I started to get problems, and then I ended up having to see uh, a counselor. And then, and just another thing, there's no mental health real provision. I think we were in a mental health epidemic before COVID. I, I think now it's just boom. It's, it's it's We're going to reap the benefits of what the kids have went through and it did to be stuck in. Mess on at 15, but like kids at 18, 19 that have not been getting out to pubs for the last 18 months. Mm. It's just crazy. But I got to the point where my relationship with my son and being cooped up because I am such a people person and need that human interaction. I was properly toiling. Like I said, I had a counsellor and I've kind of come out the other end, but I think it's great that we're speaking about mental health now, but that gave me that focus and it was weekly and it was weekly, and then Claire rightly enough, because I, I was never really, although I used to drink at the weekends when I was DJing, I never, used, I never used to drink in the house. I'd never, even if I was watching a Champions League on a Thursday, I wouldn't hear one beer. I would never, mm. drinking's for the pub, and i never drunk in the house. But then we started to hear gin for that. Then maybe we'd hear gin on a Friday preparing for that. And then Claire... You Claire, need you know, a gin on a Sunday to I, get yourself out yeah, of it. Yeah, totally. So, here <laughs> are the dog, and then Claire, was, Claire said, we had to watch with that drunk. We were, we we're getting absolutely hammered here. And then, we got, like a lot of people, we got a hot tub, we got our garden done up and then next minute, we'll kind of be in the hot tub, we a gin and it started, there was only one or two but <laughs> I, I was a, I was borderline functioning alcoholic, eh? Yeah, yeah. And I, I, again, we are been flipping about it but it I, I was and we we say, that back a bit. So, it, it kicked right off and then, I started to take over my life a wee bit because Claire was going, like, Wednesday night, do you want to go? No, I'm, I'm preparing for the podcast. Thursday, I was preparing for the podcast. Friday, I was getting tunes ready. Saturday, I was setting up the room and, and getting stuff ready and then, well, like, get the gin ready and get there. Sunday was a washout we were, we were we were red because it was 9 11, but I was finishing at one. And then we'd maybe sit, like, oh, you hate to come down a wee bit for it. So we'd hate sitting there and we'd maybe hear another, another half bottle of gin. So Sunday was a washout and then, as you get older, like maybe Monday was a bit of a washout because it was like a two-day hangover. So I thought, and then you had Tuesday back to normal and then it started again. And then she was going, you're not getting paid for this. Yeah. You're no, this isn't your business anymore. Okay, you're getting money for charity. Uh, but this is coming in a full-time job. So we're needing to put it back. So she was right enough. She said, how do you know go once a fortnight? So we went once a fortnight and that kind of worked out a wee bit better. But still, the, the numbers just kept going yeah. up and up and up and up. And it was getting really big and then the show was going that obviously that was live then i was putting a recorded show on on Cloud, and it started doing great numbers and then yeah. it was getting like okay it wasn't the the Cloud chart but i was getting number ones in old school and number one in student radio and number one it's still that's global number one so it was kind kind of big so the the, the papers started picking up on it now and i started doing mail for charity and then i started to say to myself kind of i've spent probably spent about four or five hundred quid on on broadcasting equipment yeah. so I need to kind of recoup that so I started doing this thing buy me a beer and it was like if you enjoyed this buy me a beer and you clicked it and it was three quid and then but it was great as people were getting drunker it started after one beer but then there was maybe Ben you and then. so <laughs> I started making a wee bit of money but I was kind of recouping uh, in fact somebody run a GoFundMe my, my equipment Claire had spilled that many gins on the equipment when she was bringing it out my decks were like, probably had mere drinks spilt on them if I was in a nightclub. <laughs> so I had to get them serviced so it goes, I'm out of action for a couple of weeks. So it was Keith Gibson he went, go fund me to pay for Billy's really, right. equipment oh. repair. So the, it was 400 quid. I was raised in like Four hours or something, it's six hours. So I felt bad. I mean, I'm, I'm no struggling financially, but I felt bad about taking money. But then I thought, well, I've not made any money for DJing and I'm kind of providing a service. So I didn't, I didn't. I didn't I felt listen. bad about it, I know.
0: Yeah, I was because I would put it on a Monday because I would know what's on a Saturday night because uh, I ended up pushing it now, But uh, So we're listening it was always, and then you see the clips of it and you just think, <laughs> oh,
1: what a party that is. Oh, I got to um, watch it back actually. <laughs> I didn't you know, know what was the, the death knell for it. It was, it was going really well. And what it was, somebody had told us that. So the decks are over in one corner, the, the laptop that runs it's over another. And Claire, Claire was meant to be watching that and, and keeping an eye on that. And she was doing the chat, but Claire had end up that pissed and she'd be kicking everything now and pulling wires out. But what had happened is Facebook gives you a wee warning and says, I copyright things up and you're meant to click OK. And and it's I never ever seen it because I was never near the laptop. A few minutes told us, are you, are you click in the warnings and it was saying, Promise us you're gonna stop this, none of this copyright now stuff, stop playing that music and we'll let you off. But Claire was not Claire is anyone popping up? No, no. And before I thought I I was Facebook banned and I went from fifteen fifteen hundred people on, and most of them are two or three people in a, in a house, up to up to two thousand people, which was great numbers. Kind of was some big DJs would like I say we'd only get a couple of hundred. And then Facebook banned us and that was it. It just up in the bubble, was burst. I moved to Mixcloud. Cloud. And it was still going, but I'd lost. I'd lost about a thousand people eh, in that one go. Because the thing was, if you're going to Mixcloud, you need to say, "I'm going to listen to Billy Morris at nine o'clock." I'm going to Mixcloud. Whereas Facebook, somebody could be sitting on a Saturday night and they're scrolling and they go, "Oh, I wonder, uh, I wonder what somebody's in for their tea." Oh, look, there's somebody. Blah, blah, blah. Oh, Billy Morris is on. Click it, and so you got that passing traffic. You're not getting that with Mixcloud. So it kind of. Kind of ruined my audience a wee bit, but also made the the, the niche hardcore people that I had. So I was still getting twelve hundred, fifteen hundred on a Saturday night on that, which was still a good number. Yeah, so it's amazing! Yeah, it went really well. Yeah. I think the what's come for that is coming out of lockdown. My name was kind of out there, so it's now now they're out. I think the bookings are coming in thick and fast as a result of that. How's so, it been for you since the uh, restrictions it just, lifted? Just just chaos, absolute chaos. It's just but great chaos, a wonderful place to be, in that. The first weekend we got back, we had Hannah's Choice on the Friday. Hannah, great wee lassie, great DJ. And there, and that was sold out. So that was the first gig back. And normally, you know Ronnie, When you're DJing, the first boy warms up and it's like... Doo, 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 doo. And the nah. next boy comes up and then just tackle me. It was Jack Lowe was on first and he went, boom, had that, woof. BPM right up there. And the crowd just loved it. And then I was on after and I, I should be taking up another couple of BPM and, and I thought... Fuck it, was good enough for him. Boom. I just battered the first tune in and they just erupted. And I just think it was... And it was... I mean, I, I'm getting on a bit. They're the young team. Paul Finlay, Jack Lowe, Hannah Lane. And they're... they're that was their crowd. Him, him and I'll bugger, But they just wanted to be... They just wanted to be in a club with people and they just went... Whomf, and they just... I was playing some new stuff but a wee bit old school and they just went for it and the atmosphere was amazing. And then on a the Saturday they had a private party... That and, and Perth, that was just bonkers and went crazy. And then on the Sunday, it was Street Rave in Glasgow. We, Graham Park, uh, K-Class, uh, oh, what's his name? Uh, Ewan McVicar, uh, the, the, new, the new up-and-coming guy, but, uh, fantastic. And I was thinking, that's me Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And I was guttered for Adam. And Monday was a washout as well, but I wouldn't hit another way. It was brilliant. Trying to come out of lockdown mm-hmm. to straight into that was great. Yeah, that's it's amazing. Um, some shorter questions for you, but
0: just to pick your brains uh, before we finish off. Uh, best venue you've played?
1: Best venue you've played? <laughs> see, the arches is pretty special. To see me playing in that arch, block uh, it enough, I play a few times. I've played with too many DJs quite a, quite a few times, supporting them about three, maybe four times. Once at the arches, once at the once maybe twice at the rumble, once at the reading rooms. And to look down that arch and just see that that Glasgow crowd's amazing but you know what's and and glam was pretty amazing some of those glam nights when there was about 3,000 people in were pretty special but you know what's one of my favourite nights this is bizarre I was still quite a young young DJ and it was Pierre Victoire's was a restaurant in Commercial Street and Andy Retty, who works at Ocean Beach now Andy had said I'm going to put a night on and he'd done it me Cosmo and Chill, a couple of old DJs back in the day and they rolled out the tables to one side and just battered the sound system in it. and it was just this, I, I, I went with my record box in the days, no expecting it to be good, no expecting it to be anything but I thought it's a payment, it's a DJ thing and it ended up being one of the best gigs in my life. It was just out of this world. It just, everybody there was just on the same wavelength as you can imagine. Abdi was buckled Abdi was going for it, and it just ended up being absolutely fantastic. So, was it the best venue? Probably not the best venue, but one of the best nights in my life. It was amazing. Um, You're in a bit with a DJ, and hold you on your set. What's your go-to tune? I'm saying it again, sorry, every minute. Oh, struggling. struggling. If you're struggling, you're needing a tune to get you a hole, what are you going for? Well, do you know what I always play? And, and I'm sort of known for it, and it's my signature tune. And, and on the stream, people ask for it every week. And that was another thing. It's like, going to play that, going to play that. I said, look, you can't play the same three tunes that you want. You can't do it. If I do it every week, get, how do you stick I never understand why people ask for requests. How do you just get a jukebox? Sit in the house on your own and uh, request absolutely flipping boil my piss. Let us do it. I'm getting paid to DJ. Leave us to go on with it so one of the tune I'm always known for is uh, Eurythmic Sweet Dreams I always play either uh, either just play the pop version or play the Angelo and Grosso there's so many remixes of it. and all with that kind of there Yeki Yeki is another one I always get asked for and people now because I went full Cyril Sneart it's not so for a quest. i enough they were just dead yeah, and people shout in the street, saying "Yeah, yeah, yeah, yeah!" Sweet dreams, because it was always and Beach Ball was the other one that I always played. Oh, Nell and the King. Uh, There's the three tunes that I played during lockdown. So people say, "When are you gonna play that? When are you gonna play that?" And then even now, I, I play in the self now, and people come up and, and ask for requests. And I say, "Look, <laughs> I didn't really do requests." And the, so, then last week, in the middle of a dance set, she went, got any stereo phonics?" And I went, "No, I didn't." I goes, uh, "And it, can, you, you know this? Every single woman." Karen that comes up and asks for a quest. The 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 line you'll get this place jumping, oh, and I turned around and, and all time. If you've seen the videos for the Selkie, right? it's just a wee bistro, fantastic wee bistro in, in Exchange Street. Abdi's going for it they do a Dubai brunch and then they do a, a Bifa themed uh, tapas and everybody there just gets bloated and goes for it and I've got them at a sad dance where she goes if you play stereo phonics, you'll get this place in. and I turned around and everybody was up on, this, uh, up on the sets and those that weren't there were Congo and out the front door and I went what, more than that she went but they'll get really in. and I said well I'm, n- I'm not going to play stereophonics because it's not really an indie night and she went well and she stood there with her fingers in her ears for the rest of the night <laughs> and then she came, back, she came back the next week and sat there with two new other women writing and they sat there right in front of us and they went can we just make a complaint now and the, the owner Kelly went he's not even on yet you can't complain about it you kinda have a, a pre-moan yeah, you, you'll go full Cyril Sneer she went well, we're not happy we can't hear ourselves think and then sat and she got her pals to put their fingers in the ears and they'd done that and then she sent her pal up and I says can I just stop you you're what asked for a request eh? and she went yeah I says, can I guess what you are asked for? She went, go. Oh. She went, stereophonics, Dakota. She went, how did you know? I goes, because your pals just sent you up again, is it? I said to her, what did you come back for? Have you hated it that much? No. Wait uh, me, What was the question? <laughs> what was your go-to tune? Right, um,
0: yeah. I got, uh, uh, I got on, on Saturday night last. He says, uh, this is shite. This music shite. I says, oh. I can. I says, I'm getting paid to play this shite, and uh, she never left the dance floor, night. Yeah. There you go. Standard. Um,
1: was the same best DJ you've seen? <sighs> best DJ I've seen. Do you know what? There's one that Claire's never really Claire's never really took an interest in the technical side or, or knows much about the technicals. I should don't mind me saying that. Claire just loves the tune. But I remember this one time we were in a tunnel. That's how long ago it was. And uh, that, was, that was one of the best places I played. played in room two in the tunnel and, and uh, just to jump back they actually said tried to throw us at room two because it was busier. Room one was Judge Jewel's Seb Fontaine and Tom Paul and it was busy in room two it was going mental so said we're going to, need to shut this down and it refused and luckily it went off but oh, barricaded so that, yourself in again barricaded myself in again, <laughs> again like, uh, so that was another great night but we're in the tunnel and this is long ago it was Roger Sanchez was on and he was doing three decks and God was, was it, had been long enough to be turntables I think it maybe was wrong. I think it was maybe 12-10 12, 10, sorry, 12 turn, I might have seen Carl Cox it. play with three turntables ah, going. this is amazing I'd seen him, seen him <laughs> do that hello so uh, he was there and it was probably it's pre-camera phone days which which is another annoying thing so pre-camera phone days but the tunnel DJ booth sort of landed itself that you could have a look and it was the first really obviously with me being a DJ uh, and in the days I was sort of uh, now and again occasional DJ I didn't had really any big residences. I, I was like a, a train spotter looking at these guys for tips and that, and I was mesmerised by how He was like He was doing the lot. He was across the three decks and even Claire was, no train spotter, none of the technical went, oh my God, he's amazing. Just, he was doing the lot. He had an acapella on deck one. He had a a bassy thingy coming there. He had a piano on on turntable three. And I think just for how long ago that was and knowing now with the sync button, and he's still amazing, technically amazing, but with a sync button, you could do that with headphones now. But he was doing that on twelve tens, kinda in a Carl Cox type style. <laughs> Cox I've seen a few times, but never really been up close to, to sort of see him. But for me, Sanchez doing that kind of thing is probably uh, technically one of my favourite DJs. That's but incredible. there's a big issue between a, a technical DJ like James Abelia, who I love as well, mm. and then somebody who like John Please Woman who just tunes just for me just shows what uh an intelligent musical history he's got. And just like, you could pull a amazing 80s piano tune, then he'll just batter a Blamange remix. And then, he'll, then he'll put the barge on. And then he put the barge on it, <laughs> although you'll deny it. I'll let him hear that. you will say you'll deny it. And then he'll put a Shop Boys tune on It's seamless. So for that kind of thing, John, please one. Yeah. Um Favourite tune to finish with? Favourite tune? You kinda beat... Kind of beat. See, my favourite area was trance, like proper. Ta- See, trance now, trance to me sounds hardcore. No, this uh, don't be afraid of one, four, five beat uh, per minutes and uh, that. That's hardcore to me. Sorry if, if you're into that kind of thing, but for me, that the classic would be the trance of uh, Café Del Mar, Energy Fifty Two. Uh, the build on the, that is incredible. And there's some really, good, some really good remixes of it coming out and some some of them ruin it because you should never touch a classic. But there's some really good ones, some really good producers doing some good remixes and Y-Tracks, Mysteryland, something like that. Or just, or Sasha uh, and Marie Biaz one. That One, it's just really slow. It would depend. See if the night's been pumping, I would want to finish on a pumper. But if it's been a really good night and it's been a bit genre hopping, someone like Sasha and Marie Biaz one just to finish that yeah. just brings it down a wee button and builds a big crescendo. So, uh, I'll go for that. Um, where will Dundee finish this season? See, I think we're all right. I watched them against Hibs and we played them off the park mm. and we're one nil up and coasting. Foul, it's A outside the box. And for me, against modern football, see this, see this sentence. He, there was contact, he felt contact, so he was able to go down. See, as a boy who still plays football to a very, 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 very low level, I hate seeing this thingy. And actually, seen some bright sparks uh, in the English Premiership games the last few days, they've started to let stuff go. Did you see some of the games they were letting some of this? See, when you see a full back. see, if, so a centre half nudging a small winger and he goes down and say, well, that was a big lad against there. See when I see a full back, no when the the by the corner, then the winger touches them. And as soon as they feel the contact, they fall yep. and they get that foul. I hate that. I've seen it on Saturday I a few times. That, that, that <laughs> grips my shit, that in football and I hate that. So good that, that referees are starting to do it. But in Scottish football, the boy run on, the, the, the full back, Elliot got caught on the wrong side. Um, the boy felt a tiny wee touch. To me, it's simulation. See, see if I put two hands on your back and push you and you far down. Well, obviously, there's been enough contact. See if I just touch you with my shudder and you go down. The contact's got to be sufficient enough to knock you. That's my shit. So, Dundee lost a penalty. We'll come back. Went 2-1 down, and then we got it there. So, I've seen enough to see it. But I think we'll be all right. I think we'll be all right. I would hope we'd have got a point against Motherwell, at least. We played, we destroyed them in the League Cup. Destroyed them. And it should have been a lot more. And it's good that we come back for behind against St Man refereeing decisions are going against us but you're going to get that in Scottish football but I think I've, I think I've seen enough that there's to be alright uh, to be alright I would hope so so it's all about finishing third bottom for us this year uh, I, or I, above. I, I think mid table mid to bottom table would be okay yeah and uh, you mentioned that you're still kicking a ball about it as well still how is the mate. over 35s league? On, it's, it's actually I, uh, well the other teams are a decent standard actually mid team's okay we were struggling there on a uh, on Friday, we've, we've been... I recognise a couple of boys in your team. Uh, so. Yeah, some really good players, eh? Uh, I question I, a lot of their ages, how over 35 they now are, uh, given. Well, <laughs> well, we've got a boy, Watty. What, what is Alan What Alan Watts... Is Alan 58 or 59? Man, it's CMT, still got a six-pack. Brilliant, eh? Still looks like an Adonis. Hair's whiter than mine, obviously. But I've been running it for about three, four years, and it was a kickabout. It. Now it's quite serious. It's Enjoying been. it? Yeah, I love it. MAFA-affiliated. I hate... It's a bit too much red tape. You kinda play trialists, you kinda do this. And we've started for the last few years we've been playing me eleven and twelve and injuries have killed us. We've not done too well. But I've managed to get a settled squad, brought some boys in. We've been playing over thirty five sub Subbies and it's rolling subbies. You've got here sixteen boys. That's good. Yeah. So we've had some good results and then the injuries for me M forty nine now we're on trend playing. And another thing is we played on grass and everybody's fine. turf modern AstroTurf's really tough it's like it's concrete with a wee bit of rubber on the top mm. so at my age the knees are going the back's going so if I play 90 minutes on AstroTurf it's really sore so the injuries have been mounting up we're about 5 games in so we were 16, 16, 16 we just played there we 11 fit guys and, and a boy on the thingy 5 minutes in the left back went over his ankle so we had to bring a boy on you're maybe bringing boys that maybe are, another, are the same quality. So, we actually got a pummel in for the Jamesies last week. They had 16 boys. They had about four boys that are still playing junior. Mm. We had a lot of old boys. We're, we're probably two best players we're carrying injuries. The hammies, if you play 90 minutes, your Hammy start to go after 70. I mean, Med Hammy's going in the warm up. So, yeah, but I love it. I love it. I love a game of football. And I love playing yeah. for the Dundee West over 31st. Aye. And uh, DD's back. Looking like forward to that. Carabao, that. that's my favourite day of the year. Absolute fantastic. Well, I was going to if you get the weather, even if you're dinner, you're in a pub. But for me, running from pub to pub, and people say, oh, we're going to turn, no matter you so busy this year, I want to be busy. I want to be playing the last tune and sprinting out to the pub across the road and then jumping in a taxi and then going to add in there and, and running for You've the always uppers. been in that jumps between venues, haven't uh, yeah? you? Yeah, I love it though. I just yeah. want to, I'm a people person. It's, it's not just about the DJing. It's like, See, as a DJ DD, I see loads of my mates who are DJs and it's like my boys have not seen for six months and, oh, are you doing, mate? And cuddling people and running about, high-fiving them and catching 10 minutes of somebody else's set and then running to House and seeing Tom and Manzer and these guys and right. quickly running across and seeing Barry Miller at this pub and running to Hannah's playing. And maybe, maybe I'm playing, maybe I'm not, but I just love that. Everybody's buzzing for it. And it's not just kinda of, you see how the sixteen, seventy, eighteen hours that have got their makeup done and their fake tan and, and, and that's just the guys. The women are just as bad. Yeah. So i loving it. But then there's a people age group that are coming out for it and then I did this kinda of, uh this live vocal set we uh a girl called Leanne Carr, who's amazing. Sure. great voice. Uh, I'm yeah. going to do that again We heard there. So it'll probably be an hour, two hours of me playing. we we'll put some tunes together while she's playing a, a classic vocal over something else. So that works oh, really well. Nice. So just just DD, what Mike and Titch and the team David with DD is just fantastic. Just it's bigger of a year. And we're moving the closing party this year at Fat Sam's. Yeah. So it's back in and then. So I'm in... Second floor? Um, so uh, I think... Maybe I'm speaking out of turn here. What she's done. Hannah's got a floor. I'm going say what. I asked what floor I wanted. So it had to be the middle floor, uh, I reckon. the Top floor's looking good. Take but, me home. Uh, take this extra. Take it take, take to where i all started for us. So in the middle floor, in Fat Sam's, I'm running that bit. And then during the day, I'm in Gallery 48. I'm running... Running that sort of curating the DJs for there yeah. and playing in the other places but it's just it's just a fantastic day. Yeah, it's amazing. To, yeah, it's going to be class. Uh, just a
0: couple of finish on a scale of one to ten, how much of an arsehole is your cat? What in? <laughs> I've got two because <laughs> I lo- uh, I love your updates about what happens the there. If, if if people didn't follow you on social media, no your you on Facebook. Do you want to tell some of the stuff your cat's they
1: Oh, they're just, or what the brigade. do you know what I've got we've got two cats uh, we've got Jasper and uh, Jasper what's the other name called Arthur Jasper's like a streetwise moggy uh, well he is trying to come in now that too Jasper's a streetwise moggy he was our number one pet then we've got Claire who said I think we need another cat Jasper was king of the he slept on the bed he was our best mate I'd never heard him hiss or spit or den we've got the second cat and he was like a spoiled child Jasper went right in the cream puff and moved basically moved out for six months and he's now intermittently lives with you. he's like a lodger but he's a grumpy lodger Arthur's just like a wee but he's slow and a wee but he's daft he's not quite right he's fully grown now but he's like a wee but he, to be he's wee but a wee but daft he's not quite right he can't jump properly he can't jump up waz he's a wee but he faz off things and he's just no dead clever like when he watches the two of the meet he's food's dropping out his mouth he's just dead vulnerable and Jasper bullies him but I think he tried to teach him. Well, have, that's a farm right across there. So up here we've got a farm. So there's multiple flipping voles, rats, flipping. He's brought he's brought live rabbits in. He's brought it. But what Jasper brings them in, and then it's so it's not so bad when he kills them and then you just get rid of them. But it's when he drops. He comes in. You're sitting watching flipping casually on Saturday night, and he drops it and boom, and then it runs right along the city. So you're chasing a mouse at flipping midnight and you're there the other cat's trying to catch him it's really strange the, the mice could pick up that Jasper's a killer so they're running away from him but the bully Arthur I've seen mice chasing the cat out there but they always seem to do at like two a.m. and then they come in and it's funny. As soon as they come in, you hear the voice. It's, it's a different meow. It's like a meow. I've got something, and you're oh, fucking hell. He's got some. They just always drop it in. So you're running about naked at two a.m. with a bit of are trying to catch a moose, and then that's not so bad. Sometimes you come down and the have f- killed in, and it's like you walk down in your bare feet and you stand on a set of moose guts. Or there was one time he brought a rat. In. a Big fool says rat. And I went, is that still 11? It was like stunned. And I picked up the tail and went out. And this thing was like a good 12 inches long. I went to throw it out and I threw it on the lawn and it come back to life and ran and ran up my leg. Right, I had trousers on, but I run right on the thing and I had to skate it off and kick it. Oh, wow. And it's just like, and it's, it's become normal now. It's, they bring crows, lev birds, spuggies, did robins, lev rabbits. And it's just murder. Absolutely murder. <laughs> I love the updates, especially when there's a photo of it which yeah. has always been quite fun. And it's it's her boys, though, so yeah. I'm not... Uh, oh, so I said, sad. can we just lock the two <laughs> bastards out tonight? Can we get them away? Fuck. Said, oh, no, it's my boys. We can I do? I said, hey, but it's me running about with a butt of Tupperware at two in the morning, trying to flip and catch that moose. Uh, uh, and you do. Uh, uh, I'll figure you <laughs> uh, Final question, then. What's next for Billy Morris? What's, What's in the next? future for you? Uh, come on, mate. I'm just going to soak it up. I've not got any... I have not got any... Uh, Misapprehensions. Like I'm going to go and go on some kind of stardom or do this. I just really enjoy every single gig. Every time I'm out there, I, I just think like it could be my last. Every time I get a booking, I'm like, wow, this is great. Getting some great gigs coming up. Some amazing bookings. I've got my own night called Dare We, John? Please, woman. That's coming up in uh, December the 27th at Main's Castle. That sells out every year, so I'm hoping, obviously, we COVID, and people there that should sell out again. Uh, DDE. I'm really looking forward to. It. And just the gigs are coming in, so. I keep saying, I kind of moaned about it earlier that I would like to get in a production, I've not got the time, but maybe once the, I stop playing football and the coaching cam's doing a bit of that, I might get in a production again, but it's, it's, it's just it's a hobby, but just take each day as it comes, just keep tapping the gigs, mark them the best time of your life, uh, really enjoying playing in the Selkie just now, just a wee small intimate thing. I could play what I want there, and just, just enjoy it, just keep enjoying everything. Well, it's been a pleasure. Thanks a lot, mate. Cheers, Ronnie. Thanks for having us, mate. If you enjoyed this episode, please tell your friends about it
0: and leave a review or a rating. If you didn't, then let's never speak of it again. These are the days.